Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on the lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Matthew Neugerbauer, and I am coming to you live from Underworld North Studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And as always, I am joined all the way across the continent by your friend of mine, Mr. Joel Davis. Joel, how are you doing this week? Thanks, Matthew. I'm doing good this week. Doing excited. Pretty excited. There we go. There we go. We're uh, getting set for, yeah, another good sequelist discussion. We're talking about the sequel trilogy. We know it gets a bad rap for not having a consistent plan, whatever, blah, blah, blah. What if it has a consistent story? Uh, we look at the films. We look at the text as is. Got some also some news to talk about, but we'll look at the text as is. Let's cover the narrative thread within. To do that, we've got our guest here uh, joining us from the other the other corner of the continent, uh, all the way also across the continent, but for, in a different direction. It's the co-head of Culture Slate Video Production. It's Omar the Negotiator. Omar, good to see you again. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm always down to talk sequels, so you know I'm I'm super excited. I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts, and just I'm excited to be here. So thank you. There you go. Uh, Yay! Good to hear. Uh, in case people are wondering what uh, what what the rest of this Darth Vader thing looks like, you got it right there. <laughs> it's 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 the actual same thing. It's just popping through. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's. Okay, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, when, when if you watch the flagship podcast with Dom, he gets the screen up. I keep talking about that every single time. But, you know, we'll talk about that eventually. Uh, first off, we'll get the plugs out of the way. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Iron Cannon Pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. Get more involved, get more uh, on, on the ball with, with posting things and sharing things, and especially if there's some news that comes out. I, I want to get it on that comics news, books news, um, especially on Instagram. You can <laughs> train those stories. Uh, yeah, and threads here on the Underworld YouTube channel, Underworld Facebook page. Uh, you can check us out there as well. Uh, yeah, we got now uh, YouTube memberships and super chats and Discord, all those things are part of the Star Wars Underworld family. Um, yeah, so check the link in the description below if you want in on the Discord. Joel, what's happening on the Discord these days? Well, last week we just watched the Star Wars 1978 holiday special. <laughs> so if you like Stir Whip, Stir Whips, and B. Arthur. You'll like that, and an interesting conversation on why, if you really think about it, the holiday special was the Andor of its time. Not many people can really like that. Um, so you want that's the kind of conversation we have. Um, not nothing this week. Look forward to next week. We'll be having a game night. Fun times, and and as always, uh, go in there, chat, tag Joel. He'll respond for sure. He's guaranteed. Uh, there we go. Um, got the last bit of plugs out of the way. Uh, Tractor Beam, Tractor Beam Comics Reviews. Uh, usually, usually we, we do them Thursday nights, uh, Thursday afternoon, sorry, at 12.15 Pacific, but we're trying something new this week. We're going to mix it up. I got a work thing, but also, hey, why not try a different time slot? Comics are for Wednesdays, and Wednesdays are for comics. So the comics come out Wednesdays. We're going to read them, and then we're going to talk about them, Chris Abbott and I, at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Underworld channel. going to give that a go, give that a whirl, and then hopefully get that uploaded to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, yeah, comics, books, comic books, reviews. Uh, yeah, part of the you know, part of the Underworld Network on the tractor beam, kind of thinking about, Ooh. yes, spinning that off, moving that into a direction, into its own separate podcast. Uh, you know, Definitely intimately connected to the Iron Cannon and to Star Wars Underworld, but definitely 
looking forward to that. Looking forward to that kind of eye on Canon versus is growing. We have our first spinoff. There we go. I got the spinoff. Um, I mean, what's, what's, uh, yeah. What's fascinating is, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have, that's something usually Thursdays, 12, 15. That's my lunch break. I got to get back to work at one, uh, like 12 to one. You know, the only restriction is that I'll have to get to bed eventually. And Chris, I'll have to get to bed eventually. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, we can go as long as we want. So we might even talk about some more news and different things. But certainly talking about, not talking about uh, Bounty Hunters number 41 because Penguin and Marvel kind of screwing up the release schedule. But other than that, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a good discussion. Um, you know, saying, no wonder I felt the disturbance in the force. I will say this. The, on Tuesday after that, this jogs my mind. The only reason it does, this is a bit of a coincidence. It jogs my mind. How's it going? Uh, not tomorrow, but the week after. I'm going to see a Star Wars film thing in a theater. Speaking of the uh, the holiday special, the, doc- the documentary on the holiday special, The Disturbance in the Force, is being playing. It. I mean, it, you could get it on digital, and I probably will get it on digital. But yeah, you can get it on. Uh, well, it's being released in theaters, and so. I'm going to go check that out. Dom and I and some other friends are going to go, and Kareem and some others are going to go check that out. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to let you know how that is, what I think about it, and uh, it should be fun. There's an about. There's an about and about. What do you want? There you go. There uh, we go. Uh, yeah, just you get it. We should, I should do a counter, like Canadianisms counter. <laughs> Ding. One, two, there we go. Uh, okay, I've I've talked, gabbed enough. Uh, Joel, what do you got in this week for Star Wars? Oh, wait, wait. Before we begin, actually, Omar, do you want to plug anything at the beginning oh, of this sure. podcast? Fair enough. We, Go for it. Before we, I begin my week of Star Wars. Well, right now, I just want to plug probably my Twitter. I'm not going to call it X, but uh, my Twitter account is at the Negotiator 95 uh, It's that for all of my socials, except for YouTube, which is at the Negotiator. I was lucky enough to get just the Negotiator on YouTube as a handle, which is pretty cool. Uh, I tried getting the one for Twitter, but Priceline Negotiator apparently owns that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> dang, can't get that one. But they, they're inactive. They've been inactive for years. So, uh, they should just give Take it them to court. No, <laughs> um, but Good. that aside, uh, maybe at the end of the show, I'll have some cool, something cool to talk about. Sweet. Sweet. Nice. All right. Yeah. All right. Now uh, I can do my week of Star Wars. Go for it. So, you know, last week we talked a bit about, you know, the interconnectivity of canon and all that. And I've been, and so basically this week, my brain has been talking about semantics. Yay, semantic. We love semantics on this podcast. Um, I'm thinking about canon and continuity and Ooh. whether or not they're the same thing or different things. And I've been kind of like trying to wrap my head on these two words. Because there are things in Star Wars that are all Star Wars. Well, not all Star Wars, we count Vision. But all, most Star Wars is canon. But there are things in Star Wars that don't have a lot of continuity. Um, I think the two kind of quasi-examples right here, and also um, actually the sequel trilogy kind of fits into this later, um, is uh, Mando Season 1 and Ahsoka Season 1 are almost the, the yin-yang the, the polar opposites of this sort of of this sort of idea of they're both canon they are the canon the canon but Mando season one very light on continuity very light on just mm. kind of outside of unless you consider the setting continuity which you know we can debate that for at another time you know post Endor um you know very light on just kind of 
being attached to all these threads and whatnot. Um, which is why I think season two is so ingenious because that's mm-hmm. you know that's that's when Mando really starts to get involved in the in the wire Star Force universe and he just he and poor Croak yeah. just kind of get getting wrapped up in the thing. Ahsoka's either one on the other hand, um, you know I, I mean we could talk about how it balances out, but it's like it is has to be somewhat tied to a continuity. It's the continuity of Ahsoka. It's the continuity of Rebels to a extent. You know you can't you can't just say oh Ahsoka someone brand new. It just she just called Ahsoka and looks like Ahsoka. She's still the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker and you know mm-hmm. you know this Grand Admiral who has been defeated and seeks to return. That is obviously a continuity from previous show. So, but they're both canon. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my brain is. And I'm asking, I'm curious, do you see canon and continuity as two separate entities, or are they just kind of interchangeable words that we use a lot? Maybe I mean, now that you bring that up, I mean, I will say, uh, well, it kind of what we we're I think connects with what you've been getting at before about different levels of continuity and different uh things that are more tied in or less tied in. You know what? What canon could be means to say that the Mandalorian is canon, is that a future story <laughs> could tie into that, and right. so you know it's still within the, the realm of things. It still tries to be and situates itself within the universe, uh, but doesn't have to necessarily have be. I mean, it's still in continuity. It's just that it's not as much of a concern as with Ahsoka. Right. I kind of my real world, the mind in real world goes is. Favreau and Filoni, um, you know, Mandalorian, Favreau's coming in. I mean, yeah, he was, he was, uh, previously he's been involved, but now he's coming in and writing, telling his story or as Filoni, he's already told so much story and he wants to continue telling that story. And so there's the work continue, right? Continuity. So yeah, it's that also Ahsoka is so much, so connected to the Skywalker saga. And to the Skywalker family, she basically is a Skywalker herself. Got seven seasons of TV and more yeah, with Rebels. Exactly, and so like, yeah, as as the main character of a show right. that happened to have Anakin Skywalker in it too. So, yeah, I I think what we we're getting at, oh, I think we you've gotten at a few times already, and we can keep getting at it if that's great. Is that there's just very there are varying levels of connectivity. Is another word. Con with continuity, connectivity. Um, I mean, canon is a different word. That's a, it's a Greek word. Con is a Latin word. Um, but <laughs> just by the way, <laughs> uh, but the different, different varying levels of how much a storyteller wants to connect and continue a story versus how much a storyteller wants to tell something new and different. And then there's, I mean, visions is still in a conversation with this. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you conversing with this and saying we're not going to worry about it at all. We're just going to tell our own thing using the images and, and aesthetic of Star Wars and kind of the sense of light and dark and the themes of dark side and light side. Right. But tell something completely different. It's intentionally not canon. It's intentionally right. not in continuity at all. Canon. I mean, Mandalorian could be in continuity and in different ways is right. I mean, Curse and Teva. Comes from the Mandalorian, Appa Toronto, right. Tampa, this guy here, here, uh, you know. So, yeah, and it, it's good. I mean, what what is also good to note is, I mean, it's an exciting thing. This is this is maybe the best thing. We're we're in a great era of flexibility, of you know, Favreau 
and uh, whoever, you can be as tied in or explore, go off in your own corners you want. Filoni, you can continue. I mean, Filoni definitely, because he's in the new position. Continue your story. Deborah Chow, you can tell this story specific to Kenobi and Anakin Vader and Leia. Uh, Leslie Headland, here's a whole book publishing initiative that you really love. Or, or Leslie Hedden can come to them and say, hey, there's this the book publishing initiative that I love almost as much as this guy Matthew does. And uh, <laughs> can say, hey, I want to actually tell a story that is, I don't know, in the vein or in, in some form of continuity in some form of conversation with the events of the High Republic, albeit 100 years later, uh, and, and still being able to explore on her own like this newer era that hasn't been explored yet either so yeah that makes tony gilroy like the most ironic being a non-star wars fan he decides no i'm gonna put my story smack tab yeah. in the middle of all star wars it, it's <laughs> it's in direct continuity it's and or exactly. rogue one new hope right exactly. <laughs> but Everything he also is. he also probably I mean, there's probably something about writing rogue one not writing working on rogue one and saying, oh, yeah. okay i'm gonna what is it about a new hope and, and leading into that that probably appealed to him actually Right, and so yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, Omar, do you want to add any? You what do you, do you have any thoughts on semantics and words? Uh, you know, I think Matthew probably covered uh, pretty much everything. I think just what I would add is the when I think of the word continuity uh, versus what is canon. Canon, of course, to me, just I I can imagine very like in universe stuff as well as like what fans themselves consider canon. Because yeah. I do, I, I do tend to believe that like canon is a very fluid thing that isn't necessarily like strictly one thing. Like, okay, you have to listen to what the corporation tells you is canon. Which, yes, they have a guideline for what is canon, but you yourself can also have head canon. And uh, at the end of the day, these are all just narratives that like we can we can pick and choose and like really do with as we want. Because uh, how we interact with fiction is just uh it, it's 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 a very personal thing so um mm -hmm. that's what i think of when i think of canon when i think of continuity i tend to think more of like the transmedianess of everything uh how exactly one story connects to another and paints a picture of the grand the the grand outline that is star wars um that's 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 kind of where my mind goes to um perfect example as you just said you know andor Maybe people will say like, oh, there's not a lot of uh, continuity there. Uh, it's very standalone. But in reality, it is, after all, an offshoot of Rogue One. So by its very existence is continuity uh, in regards to the overall uh, Star Wars narrative. So um, that, that's how I kind of think. Like, these are two words that can absolutely be interchangeable. But um, I, I tend to think of different things when hearing each one of them. So, yeah. I, I like to to think about the I mean the origins of the words. Um, interestingly, they both can refer to lines, or or like I don't know what continuity the the etymology of that word is, mm -hmm. um, but to me, my mind it, my mind it goes to a line that keeps going or can be stretched yeah. out. We know canon stretched back all the way back to January of twenty twenty two when I brought the meter stick out. Uh, the very first thing we did, I brought my prop out. Canon uh, refers to a, a measuring stick, or it's also the same word as a cane that you can walk on. 
And so, because I guess they'd have just any kind of cane, right? The word cane just means a long stick. <laughs> and it was used either for walking or for measuring distances. So, yeah, uh, just a measure of what is the story and what isn't. Again, yeah, I, I think we have to accept that it is, it is a tricky thing when it comes to fiction. Um, it comes, you know, the we get the word. It's kind of it's a loan word from, uh, yeah, well, not just Western Christianity, but Christianity generally. That you would say the canon of the Bible is measured by whether or not it tells the story of God. Uh, the God that we know would would know as recognizes Christians, and so um, that's a similar. It's similar, but you know, it, you know the the those the folks who are establishing the canon wouldn't be the ones to claim that they are making the story up as they go, right? People could accuse them of that, right? <laughs> Say, oh, it's all made up, it's all constructed, it's all uh, what was it, Bill Marth, the Jewish Book of Fairy Tales, um, they. You know, I, I see why people would say that, but also that's an important difference to say there's a spiritual mysticism about, you know, Dave Filoni isn't going to necessarily, I don't know, maybe he might say, you know, I'm, I'm meditating on my 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 room and, and I, these stories just come to me as some sort of inspiration or whatever. Um, also stories that, that are, that. <laughs> he might have, also stories that have been passed down millennia. And are just brought together, whereas the story is only since 1977. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a it, it is tricky to use that word, and and I've come to a place of saying it's tricky, but we're still going to use it. We're still going to have a podcast named after it with the name in it. Where where's that nine? There, I can't. There we go. There we go. There that is. word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to say yeah, things can connect and be be canon. Yeah, they're part of the, the Star Wars canon. Yeah. Um, I well, mean, if you ask some creators, their stories come from certain substances, which I don't think I can talk that's about. That's probably <laughs> also true. <laughs> uh <-huh>. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's, that's it for me. Mm -hmm. um, Omar. Yes. Your week of Star Wars. My week of Star Wars. Oh, yes, that's right. There is something I wanted to include uh, mm -hmm. because I saw that you guys did an episode yes. on the Mortis trilogy. I'm not going to lie, it was a very long episode and I didn't get to watch all of it, but yeah. I have I, I have at least known. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been told that this one point that I brought up to Joel did not get talked about. Um, and that is in regards to the Mortis Dagger. Now, do you guys, did, did you guys talk about the Mortis Dagger at all during your initial uh, I had the notes and I think we only briefly yeah. talked about it a little bit, but I don't think I went into a whole thing about it. Yeah, I okay. think I know where you're going with it, and like I like it, so keep going. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, and it's it's a very like on the nose, I suppose. Look at it, but it's it's the fact that like uh, it, it's 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 the idea of following the dagger. Just who is it handed to, and how is it used? Um, like at the very beginning, we see it being handed from the daughter to Obi Wan. So that is, you could say, the light side is handing off this weapon to Obi-Wan to wield. Um, and then later on, the dagger gets taken from Obi-Wan by the dark side, or rather the brother, uh, in order to ex accidentally, at least in the in the narrative, but what's most important is the fact that the, the dark does extinguish the light in that the sun does end up stabbing the sister. Um, so already just as, as like detailing it like that, um, I've always thought that 
the dagger of Vortis is pretty it it's it's more than likely supposed to be an allegory for uh anakin skywalker like mm. uh a weapon that has been handed off to obi-wan to train and uh just through through things that end up happening get taken away from him and handed to the dark side uh so right off the bat what do you guys think of that i just i'm curious i love that if yeah that, that's, that's that's wonderful um yeah and, and i think especially where you might be going with this but mm-hmm. just as, as just a symbol as, as a an icon an image of what's happening i mean you know the dagger yeah i mean he's anakin general anakin skywalker the hero mm-hmm. and then he's darth vader the great villain the great enforcer of the empire yeah right right and what were you gonna say and also that? also one more oh, thing sorry. to say okay, uh this the the son by stabbing the daughter destroys himself Right. And there's there's exactly you know, Anakin chucking Palpatine over the you know risk losing his own life, sacrificing his own life for Luke and for the galaxy by chucking Palpatine over the ledge. Yeah. So so weirdly, this yeah. actually reminds me of something completely different. This reminds me of one of my favorite shows from the early two thousands, two thousand starting two thousand nine called Once Upon a Time. Um, but yes. one of the characters, Rumpelstiltskin, is like this powerful dark entity, and you mm-hmm. can only control him with a dagger. So I That's can, right. and yeah. oh, this is this is an old show. Like, and like one of the whole thing is like I sometimes like one of the villains would get like the dagger and like oh shoot, like Rumpelstiltskin now can't control himself. He's he's under somebody else's command. It's like oh no, bad thing's gonna happen. And I don't know, like I just have like this idea, like oh what if Thrawn, or, like wild this idea, like what if Thrawn gets the dagger now he controls the sun and it's like oh no, he's gonna use the sun like a tool, like a tack dog. Not good no, things are gonna happen. No, I really uh, like an apple strudel. Just like, <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I see. I saw part of that show. It's interesting. Show. Yeah. No, I, I did yeah. too. Actually, I think I, outside of like the last two seasons, I yeah. pretty much once they started introducing Elsa, I was like, eh. Uh, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's no, right. Prankos. Right. Um, you guys basically, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly what I have been thinking, and the way it ends, of course, is with the father utilizing it as a sacrifice, and then it ends up defeating the son again. Even just that scene on its own, without the dagger, it 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 kind mm. of parallels a lot of the sacrifice of what Vader does with Palpatine, as you mentioned. Mm. So, like, even without the dagger, like that scene is super important. So, uh, but with the dagger, it just add, kind of adds to the idea that this dagger could represent Anakin Skywalker. And mm. uh, yeah. so, yeah, just a little something to add to y'all's discussion in regards to Mortis. I think there's so much to those three episodes. And in a lot of ways, it my interest in in those those three episodes of the Clone Wars kind of informed how I viewed uh, the sequel trilogy. So that's a good little segue there. So we'll definitely definitely pick that up in a bit. I thought you were gonna, where you're going to go, and Joel, you hinted at this. Mm-hmm. What is Balin looking for on Prudy? Uh, you know yeah. what what's what's he really hoping for? And yeah, I mean, we've, I think maybe Don and I have talked about this or something or someone, but. Yeah, it might seem a little MacGuffin-y for him to be like looking for this dagger, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems to me we, you know we've seen we have the the blade of uh, of Mother Talzin. Why not also just connect it and say, you know, well here's the interesting thing. This will be this will be interesting. Balin's mm-hmm. looking for the blade as a way of just embodying the power of the sun, the power of the dark side, 
and it turns out it's it's it doesn't work out. It turns out everything he's looking for. I don't know what they're going to do given Ray Stevenson's mm-hmm. not, uh, given, yeah. unfortunate death, but um, what they end up doing with whoever's there on Perdia, uh, yeah, for it to actually be a dud and say you can't actually control the force, it will always come back. And you know, mm-hmm. Ahsoka is going to be able to teach that lesson. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Uh, we got Skywalker's Academy in here. Um, let's see some kind of good comments here on that note. Uh, you know, yeah, couldn't correct the balance. So Anakin's the answer. Yeah, and that's a great thing about the Moral Trilogy. Look for Abeloth. Definitely heard of that. Yeah. Heard that yeah. that uh, we'll one. see. Mama Abeloth's coming back, folks. I mean, there, there could be some connection to the, to the Night Sisters. We'll see. You know, 25,000 years ago, we'll see. Uh, you know, any, you know, anything's anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything is possible. I have yeah. doubts, but you know, yeah. uh, I I'm interested. I'm very interested to see what they do with um yeah. uh well, as you said, what they're gonna do with Ray Stevenson's character and what the original plan was, mm-hmm. um, and how they're gonna pivot. So that's the most exciting aspect of yeah. where Ahsoka can go as in terms of a show for me. Yeah. So yeah. That last that one of the last shots where he's on the mountain uh, there. God. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So good. Um, uh, Joe, do you have anything more to add with that, or can, I, can we go? No, on? I keep going. Yeah. All right, so I'll just uh, get into mine then. Um, I'm almost, I'm two thirds of the way into Eye of Darkness Ooh. by uh, by George Mann. Uh, the the big twist I haven't gotten to yet. I know there is a big twist. I will say uh, the one thing that we know, and, and we'll, we'll hopefully be able to do a, a longer, more intense review when I finish the thing. Uh, the politics on Coruscant is very interesting, incredibly interesting. Uh, everything in the inclusion zone is a bit of work to read through. And and I've thought about that and thought about, okay, it's giving the cliffhanger. And another thing Dom and I have talked about is just in Chris Abbott and I messaged about, you know, it's the cliffhanger and it's slower paced. It's an adult novel. It takes work to read through, which is both a good that. thing. That. It's a good I'm... thing, but it's also like, well, it, it's, it's a, a tough thing. It's also a good thing because it means it's not entirely passive. You actually have to will yourself into getting to it. I don't feel that with the young adult novels, but I mean, they're just better paced maybe. Um, or not necessarily. It's just differently paced and it's difficult. So uh, hopefully I know from everything I've heard with this novel, it's definitely a great payoff um, of what it sets up. So off to phase three, definitely off to a great start, I will say, but uh yeah gonna gonna get through this gotta get through this we got a week hopefully we can get a get our uh review in next week um we'll see i gotta gotta put some feelers out for guests and whatnot but yeah figure that out i got five Uh, hours to go on that audio book so yeah Hmm. it's one hour one hour day joel one hour day there we go yeah Yeah. and also that 1.2 speed so that's oh yeah that's okay. how I have survived uh, some of the longer audiobooks. Yeah, so, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Omar, are you are you up on High Republic? Or are you are you into High Republic a bit? Unfortunately, no. Uh, it's been something I've been needing to get on uh, because of how great I hear it is. But uh, mm-hmm. at the moment, no. I, I've kind of just solely been uh, consuming the on-screen canon material. So, gotcha. um, yeah. yeah. All good. All good. Joel, um, how far are you? You're, you said five hours away. Five hours. Uh, I think I'm on chapter forty. Okay, so I'm almost caught up to you. Oh, I'm still ahead. 
Yeah. Has has have you gotten to the big twist yet? I guess this. Is I don't be... think so, but <laughs> I might not notice what the twist is because I'm yeah very like okay. So just I just can't go along with the story. Apparently, there's still... a big twist of something. Okay. Well, yeah. I can still say I still like it better paced than Lie of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I I'm like that with all the books though, where yeah. like it takes willpower for me to read all of them. So I don't know if I can say it's just an adult novel thing, but that's just me. That that is what I found is Light of the Jedi. It's doing something similar to Light of the Jedi and setting up a lot of things and giving us a sense of what the galaxy is like in this time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it is a lot more coherent and a lot clearer of who's doing what and where and yeah. So I mean, yeah, all all four of these adult no four six of these adult novels so far have been ensemble novels. So it, yeah, and they've mostly been great. Um, I'd say. I mean, I love, I love them. I like the young adult novels a little better, but uh, yeah, they're more character focused. So that's why. yeah, they are more character focused, and, and that's. Mm-hmm. But this is this is more character focused, and that George Rand is doing a great job with that. But so, and and I, I mean, I'd say um, the Phase Two adult novels were also. I mean, there's only four characters to really deal with, and in, in, yeah, end, really that just, that's true. Yeah, so that was helpful. Um, yeah, so if I get that done. I will figure it out before Christmas, <laughs> before the holidays. Uh, we do yeah, it. We'll figure it out. All right. Um, just a bit of news, bit of news to dive into. And I I want to talk about this. <laughs> um, I'm joining, I want to just join the podcast area for a bit, for a second here. Um, and I'm bringing this up, uh, Mando, this Mando movie rumor. And, it, and, and yeah, it's been kind of debunked, but it still feels my gut like a rumor that's true just as the way it's circulated the way it's gone about it seems like the kind of thing that people who are in the know have let people outside of the know just know <laughs> and say that they're definitely they're likely still i mean it's always gonna be a consideration they're always gonna talk about it um Could let me tell you not. when yeah i'm glad dom told me about this when i was near the washroom because i abhor this idea <laughs> this is my incendiary dick. I detest this idea. Please do not make this into a film. Do not rush the story. You have a story. You know, I mean, yes, I love it when things connect better and time better, but um, let Mando, let Din and Grogu have their time to go off on their adventures for a little bit. Uh, you know, connecting with Carson Teva, connect it with the this whole imperial remnant story sure but if you have the time you have the budget you have uh you have the the scripts everything fleshed out give the time and it's it's worked right i mean people can debate not really no three. no no <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say people can debate if season three has worked season three worked for me and seasons one and two worked for everyone and so and you know, and of course, you know, Ahsoka worked for everyone, and uh, you know, Andor's worked for everyone, and the only one who's really, you know, Book of Boba Fett probably could have been a movie, but and Kenobi, Kenobi. and Kenobi, but you know, but even then, there that was still it still kind of earned its place as as a fuller series, taking the time with Reva and with everyone else. So, you know, that didn't Grogu have their time to to develop further what it means to be uh, to be father and son here i mean uh yeah that it, it just it really smacks of bob Iger coming in saying okay kathy we want to make two films a year and yeah i know the last jedi came out 
I know Avengers Endgame is going to come out in May. But let's put Solo in May. Oh, wait. We need until December to do it. No, put Solo in May. We'll make lots of billion dollars. I still think people overestimate. So, like, no one cares about Solo. I'm sorry. That movie was always going to bomb. I think there was a lot of factors that really. No, I disagree. I don't. I think. I didn't if agree they, with that If at they all. put it a different time, if they would taken the time to clean I don't agree up, with that at all. That's I don't fair. Agree that. You can disagree, but I think a lot of people will say, yeah, at least that's my No my one sense. cares about Han Solo anymore. It's 20 years But they late. could have made... Well, sure. It was, it was a film that didn't necessarily need to be made in the first place. Anyways, my point being, this feels like this, this de- declaration from on high by, by this guy who has disadvantaged Lucasfilm in the past by this kind of decision. And it's just let's let's put a film out there, make billions of dollars, and you know, it the it's gonna it's gonna cheapen the story and it's gonna make it uh make it what it what it take it away from what it could have been. And you know there's that now the one caveat I'll give to myself is maybe maybe I kind of get used to the idea of it being the series and so i'm like okay i gotta change my expectations and whatnot um but yeah i just i i also you know don't like the idea that star wars has to be such an exclusively a film thing i get lucas wants to get back to back to the theater well, kind of is i'm sorry i don't think the shows no. have really replaced the since films. 2019 it's been primarily a, a tv thing right but that's the thing. I don't yep. think people have loved streaming services. I think they would chuck streaming for films any day. I think I the wider pop culture. Yeah, would. I mean, okay. I mean, would. sure. I just, I, I don't think, I don't think it's you know Bob Iger. Ha, you know, is the uh, is gonna. It's. I don't think it's gonna be the, the golden ticket that he he seems to think it is. If this is Bob Iger's idea, if not. I don't know. I just, you know, okay. Anyway, I mean, I uh, love the idea, quite frankly, because okay. I don't think any of Mandalorian is honestly could have worked as a film. I don't think the story is that deep. It's never been that deep. I think they all could have been movies, quite frankly. Okay. And I think season three kind of shows, yeah, Favreau's not talented enough to do a series. And if he doesn't want to do all the writing himself, or no, if he does want to do all the writing, strike that, reverse it. Just do a movie, because quite frankly, I think that's what a lot of people want to be doing. I think he they has all want to be doing movie. movies better than shows. So I will give him that. And right. if he doesn't want to treat it like TV, which let's face it, outside of Andor and Acolyte, none of these shows are really being treated like TV. That's like all the Marvel shows. They all should have been movies, quite frankly. At least a good chunk of them. Maybe uh, like Loki. No, and I mean, one division, Loki. The, yeah, those the only two. Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye was great as a show. Honestly, like the way it built up the six episodes. So I don't know. I like I. What I'm saying is, let's let's keep the balance. Let's actually make a serious storytelling question here. It just it just it really smacks of. I want to. Ma- I think this is going to make a billion dollars because, you know, everyone else wants Star Wars to be films. Well, it but, kind of is. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like if you wanted to promote High Republic, it, no one kind of. Well, no, but, but okay. Let's get to the point here. Let's get on on the point, Joel. Like, prove me. I want. I, it'll have to prove me wrong. I. I. This. I. I think this is going to be another solo. I think this is going to be another for multiple reasons. Fine, but specifically because it's they're just throwing it onto the film as opposed to taking the care. To well, I mean, anyway, Omar, I'll let you dive in here. I, I don't agree uh, with that for well, a few reasons. Hold on, let me give my counterpoint first. Okay, fine. A. This isn't Han Solo 20 years too late. This is Mando. He's still the big 
boy in town. A, B, they might not be wanting it to make a million to billion dollars. Like, why does that have to make a billion dollars? As long as it just makes its money back. I think that's what, you, you know, the era of billion dollar films is kind of over. It's done, unless you're Barbie. I think Marvel, Star Wars, Mission Impossible, I think their era of billion dollars, like, just be no, happy Bob Iger still wants to make a billion dollars. Well, no, everyone does, so. but, yeah, you know, does. whether or not they, <laughs> everyone does, but I think anyway. if they budget it correctly, then you don't have to. Um, sure, I just think, yeah. And also, yeah. you know, quite frankly, you know, again, Star Wars is a film franchise. I don't think the TV shows have replaced it. And I think if you look at people talk about the TV show, there is kind of a lesser than kind of situation. Even with Marvel, there's sort of sadly a lesser than. I guess because of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's only been, what, four years? Time and, you know, Star Wars originated in film and yeah. Marvel too. It'd be like if there were only Star Trek movies and not a show. I guarantee you, sure. even, if they, even if they were great. I guarantee you people are like, where's the TV show? Star Wars is Star Trek is TV. Yeah, I mean, by that logic, I'd still say Star Trek is a TV thing. Yeah, I don't know. It, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to be proven wrong, but it just, yeah. You know, I, I'm just, I'm I'm sick of, of the corporate machine dictating things like that. So, I mean, welcome like to the, capitalism, buddy. I know, I know, I know. That's but, the world we live in, and we can't change just it. Just overthrow yeah. it already, you know? So, yeah. I'm <laughs> oh, sick oh. of those interests getting in the way of good storytelling like that. You know, it's just... That's fair. Um, I just... Anyway, Omar, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> this is the most heated back and forth we've ever had in two years. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm honored to be here for it. So <laughs> allow me to be the Bendu. Thank the you. one in the middle. <laughs> the uh, and say... Bendu. Well, because, like... My perspective is I'm coming off of uh, a video script where I <coughs> am fairly critical of like the current slate of Star Wars television series. So like I'm already kind of in a place mentally where I'm ready for films to come back. And I'm in a place where at the very least I want Star Wars television to greatly improve its quality. Because I do think there's there's just a lot of a lot of room for improvement that I think can happen. Mm -hmm. And so, so I'm I'm kind of in this place when I hear a, a Mando movie is in the work or, or is talked about rumors. You know, things are already already changing like every day as to the validity of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not uh, the only positive side, and I, I have talked about this. The only positive side I really see out of it is probably more effort will go into quality control for that story. And, um, but outside of that singular reason, um, I, I don't have much reason else for it to be, uh, for it to be a film. And I'm kind of in this place where I'm thinking like, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily, cause I, season three of the Mandalorian for me was mostly great. Um, all except for the final two episodes which I feel was a mad dash to the end um, that I thought could be an excellent season four if it all took place on Mandalore. Mm. Um, that's kind of the vibe I was getting from all of season three. Like, oh, this feels like much like the first arc of the Mandalorian. It was kind of a two season thing. This feels like the beginning of a next arc that's going to be a two season thing. And then it didn't end up being a two season thing, even though I was so sure, like the pacing is just screaming to me. This is going to be a long, a long story. And then it, it wraps up within those two episodes and yeah. 
we don't really explore much out of Gideon's stuff. And so um, from just what I have seen, it looks like it's going to be taking on probably what I think are plot threads of the Rangers of the New Republic show. Now, we don't have a lot of information on that, but I think it's clear that with how it ended with Mando and Carson Teva, yes, of course, the Lord Carson Teva, uh, you know, it's it's definitely pointing to the, that he has kind of replaced whoever was mm -hmm. the main of that show. We could all have our theories. Uh, but, you know, it's... Um, yeah, it, it, it seems to be it's going to be the Mandalor Mandalorian now. It's going to be Din. And uh, that concept as a movie, I think it doesn't have a lot of barriers of entry. You just kind of have to explain like, okay, it, there's this Mandalorian with a little Yoda kid that uh, mm -hmm. is going to be doing missions for the New Republic. And I don't think that's a particularly hard uh barrier of entry for newer fans who aren't familiar with the mandalorian um so yeah i i don't know on paper i get it i just <laughs> don't know if i necessarily want it um i think i would what i would rather see is the tv shows become better <laughs> does that make sense like uh we all, well I, yeah. yeah i think like, we all I, want that yeah, I would just I would just want uh, and this isn't to diss anyone who thinks like the TV shows are great. I think I still enjoy like each and every one of the television shows. I just have certain gripes that I feel like can be improved yeah. uh, with maybe even more time spent uh, cooking uh, on, on them. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see I, I have a better idea of what an heir to the empire kind of connective yeah. film i can visualize that much better than what i can visualize mm -hmm. for this mandalorian movie if 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 that is really the next movie to come out um so yeah i'm i all this to say is i guess i'm a little indifferent at the yeah. moment uh Fair. yeah i'm i'm I, I just rambled on i'm like no no, no, exactly. no i think I think it, the, I think the thing is mm -hmm. we don't like we can't really judge what we're losing or gaining by any version. Like if Mando four, if the you know if mm -hmm. Mando four is season four of, if if Mando season four is still streaming, you know, is it going to be better? Is it going to you know Ed Massey wants to flesh out things or John Favreau's mm -hmm. gonna be like, nope, season three was great. We're gonna stay the course and we're just gonna do wacky monsters and not really give Dan like, much of a character. Arc. Villain of the week kind of villain thing. of the week, which right. actually it might right. actually or season work. two it, worked well for villain yeah. of the week, you know, but. I mean, yeah, but that's the best. Mm -hmm. So you know, it was you know, and, or is it more like season three, where I feel like I feel like it was a yeah. weird arc, and Din kind of got sidelined really bad, and I felt like Bo-Katan yeah. got undercut. Yeah. So you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, are the, we really gaining anything or losing yeah. anything? And that's sort of the million-dollar question: is we just don't know. Really I know. mean, that's the thing is with a film, you kind of have to lead somewhere big, and that's I mean the mm -hmm. the problem with canon continuity in this right. Mandoverse very tightly packed, right? Because we can, like you said, we can envision what the Sarah to the empire film is, is sort of a season, a series finale. Maybe I kind of wish be, it was two movies. Quite yeah. Maybe, maybe I there'll mean, be an Ahsoka season two or whatever afterwards, yeah, but yeah, we can at least envision this sort of a series finale to all these streaming shows. Mandalorian season four as a show would 
be able to build to something big, but over time and slower and with, mm-hmm. with more opportunity for these adventures of the week, more opportunity because to do more character development that he needs more time. You hope where we'd hope, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's done, he has done plenty. I think with Grogu is forced a lot of that. And that's been the, the, the key for that show is that Grogu has forced a lot of growth for Din, but uh, you know, so the adoption scene leading, moving up to all that, even just taking off the mask at the end of those seasons. But um, with a film, I just, you'd have to pack a lot in. Now you could, you could say uh, pack a lot in different adventures using the act breaks and different things get to the midpoint and whatnot. I don't know. It just, yeah. Are they, you know, I mean, maybe this is the weird thing is it's kind of goes against my own intuition about what I want. I, I'll admit that is I want things to be big and connective and lead somewhere great, but I'd be okay if it takes longer and takes more time. Oddly enough, my, my point about Eye of Darkness notwithstanding. Um, yes. But, yeah. you know, uh, but of course that one definitely does. But that's the thing, as in the point being longer and taking time, work to get through it. Yeah, we'll see. Again, we'll see. I'd be happy to be proven wrong. Right. Um, I, mean, I just what? hope it's worth the, the cost. <laughs> if true, hope it's worth the financial cost to Lucasfilm. I mean, they can, they'll be fine. They'll pay it back. That's not a problem. They're not going to go though. bankrupt, I promise. But again, I just hope that if this doesn't work, that just like Bob Iger got the wrong lessons from Solo, he doesn't get the wrong lessons from this. And, you know, that's like, again, who, what kind of folks are, are in those boardrooms thinking those things? And, you know, is he going to get the lesson? Oh, that the Mandoverse just isn't working at all. You know, or, or it's not that, just Bob Iger, it's Kathleen Kennedy, it's Dave Filoni. Like, he, but I, I don't think they're going to get the wrong lessons, they understand, but they're not. Uh, the do you think that though? I mean, you don't know that. You're, t- I think that's they could have gotten the right lessons before. No, they definitely, I mean, they're, I trust, I trust Kathleen Kennedy, and I trust Dave Filoni infinitely more than I trust Bob Iger. To be I think that's projection there. Pieces. I think that's projection there, my friend. They're all corporates, uh, they're, they're all the C suits. Dave is a corporate man, that's why he's, yeah, but he understands the story. He understands the story. You know? I think he will. You're you're over. I think it's it, it, it's. Uh, right. I think it depends <laughs> on how how you see some of the, some of like his quotes that he's talked about, yeah. and he he clearly is passionate, and you know it's Dave Filoni. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, to me, at least, I think you you hit you hit it on the head. I, I do agree with a lot of what you said in regards mm-hmm. to um, Star Wars isn't just a film franchise anymore, and I do want us to lean more into that. Uh, and, but at the same time, I really miss films. So I'm kind of like trying to sure. balance these two truths in my mind of like how at I least want one it to of be. A, one of the three of us can actually make any sense. <laughs> Joel, neither you are uh, making sense. Omar, you're the only one here making sense. That's we must awesome. balance the two. Truly. <laughs> I mean, uh, what I wanted to say, I kind of lost the point is, you know, you always say message makes the medium. And I think and I said this many times, yeah. the biggest issue with all these streaming shows I don't think they treat them like streaming shows. I don't think they're fully taking advantage of the medium here. They're, except for I've, maybe Andor. Yeah, except yeah. Andor and hopefully Acolyte because yeah. that's got a writer's room. Yeah. You know, Mando yeah, season I mean, one and two did, in my opinion. Season three didn't. Book of Boba Fett just weird. Yeah. Kenobi, yeah. 50-50. I mean, I think Ahsoka's perfect. But Actually, true. yeah, I think Ahsoka. <laughs> I don't know. I go back and forth with Ahsoka because like, I see certain areas like, yeah, that's a good streaming show. And they're like, mm, could this be a movie? I don't know. Especially with like some of those like episodes. Also, three, I think Ahsoka is perfect the way I think Revenge of the Sith is perfect. Perfect. 
Just put it that way. <laughs> Obviously, I see the flaws. But I, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, I don't want to get too much into this because we're going to be here all day. That's true. We, true. we need to do that's another multimedia true. Star Wars discussion. <laughs> yeah, we will. All right. That on that note, good one. very yeah. quickly dive right into news we can all be happy about, I think, agree on whether or not yeah. you're reading the book. Oh, makes me suck. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm glad to know you're kidding. I love um, too. <laughs> there's no. a Mace Windu novel coming out. This was Woo! a surprise. I know. Uh, yeah. problem. We're going to bring up the, the cover here. I forgot to bring this up. This is epic. Look at that. It's beautiful. Um, I'll just get that there. Uh, from StarWars.com, they're excited to reveal Star Wars The Glass Abyss. New novel coming August 6, 2024 from Random House Worlds. Uh, set after the death of Qui-Gon, the hands of Darth Maul <coughs> and of Phantom Menace, by the way. A saddened Mace Windu finds himself thrust into an adventure upon receiving a posthumous message from Jin. The book is returned to Star Wars for author Stephen Barnes, the writer of Legends Classic, The Cestus Deception, rules over 30 sci-fi novels and various TV series. Uh, according to IMDb, uh, that list of shows really is, is impressive, most impressive. Good mm -hmm. Stargate SG-1, Andromeda, The Outer Limits, Twilight mm -hmm. Zone. Ooh. Guy knows how to spin a mysterious story. I've barely seen much of any of those, but I just know. I mean, I know of those shows. Uh, I mean, SG-1 I saw most of. That's not true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the guy, guy knows how to write a story. Uh, there's a longer description in the article. Uh, Qui-Gon, he helped the farming planet before, and he wanted a message sent out on his death to Mace Windu telling him to go help out. I found the quote from Barnes actually to be more telling just about what his his mindset going into this story. It's a story of mystery, this is a quote, mystery, <laughs> adventure, betrayal, and romance on a new planet, Metagos, a seething criminal cesspool that once was once a thriving and beautiful world, a place where a single supreme warrior willing to risk it all can make the ultimate difference. At times I remember, this is Barnes still talking, Remember, there's only one goal in writing such a book, to be true to the mythos and thrill the fans. Give them the fun, suspense, and heart-stopping action they've come to expect mm -hmm. from one of our greatest mythologies and create more of an inner world for one of the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy. I'm excited for this. This could be great. Um, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about Joe before, you know, I mean, I got, got the prequels t-shirt. I'm not wearing it now, but I got the prequels t-shirt. You know, the era, even the whole idea of being a prequelist i mean it's only a thing of the positive just we're, we're just eating so well these days and yeah. so uh, i'm so happy with that Exciting. um very interesting you know the living force comes out what in, in may uh mm -hmm. some, somewhere in there uh so by john jackson miller that's set just before the phantom menace mm -hmm. um and, and and this is set just after it's flanking it uh, just like kind of the Legends novels that flanked uh, Revenge of the Sith I mean, by, by James Lucino and John Jackson Miller. No, by um, Matthew Stover, yes. I think. Um, and so, yeah, like that trilogy there. There's kind of this trilogy almost. You have, uh, and there's a whole bunch of bunch of novels kind of set before. I'm really, yeah, just to to get this, this all this quote this, of an inner world. Because Mace Windu, he seems kind of, he seems a bit one-dimensional, a little bit. He's just, just trying to, you know, have the lavender lightsaber. We all, we all take it to the take it to the man. Um, yeah, never thought of that from Mace Windu, but yeah, well, or you know, just just being the 
At least in Revenge of the Sith. Stickler you know? to the rules. Stickler to the rules, mm-hmm. but also... Oh, sorry, not Stickler to the man. He is the man. But <laughs> take down uh, the folks, you know, who are... You know, I mean, you know, he doesn't want Palpatine to stand trial because he knows he controls the courts. He He's willing to execute him on the spot. That kind of tough guy, almost a thug, a Jedi thug, uh, Jedi in a way, tough. to give him an inner world, to see... More of what motivates him is it a sense of order and justice or or what? Um, really excited there, uh, Joel. What, what do you think of this this book? Yeah, I I think the thing that stood out to me is like, oh wow, Qui Gon must have really must really respect Mace enough to give him like send this to Mace Windu in case of death. <laughs> um, you know, because like, hey Mace, I'm dead, but I need your help with this one last thing, um, like. Mm-hmm. You know, Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, it's like, oh, wow, he really entrusts Mace Windu out of all people yeah. to do whatever whatever he's got to do. So that clearly must mean Qui-Gon knows that, hey, do you I can trust to do this? Mace Windu. I mean, it could just ha- it could specifically have to do with the, well, a few things. I mean, just the, the actual situation that needs to be addressed. This criminal cesspool maybe needs a harder hand, a heavier hand. At least Qui-Gon might think so. Also, Mace Windu at this point, he hasn't gone through the Clone Wars yet. He, you know, this is looking back on Phantom Menace, but also looking ahead to to who, how he becomes more hardened during the Clone Wars. Less trusting of, of Anakin, certainly completely untrusting of Palpatine for good reason. But yeah, it's uh, uh, really exciting to yeah that we're getting another like Phantom Menace. Also. I forgot. I forgot to put this in the in the thing. Time to break out the hashtag, guys. You know, it's gonna be twenty twenty four. Phantom Menace came out in nineteen ninety nine. You know what that means? Phantom <laughs> Menace at twenty five. Uh, twenty five. Oh my god! Yeah, all right. Did you feel old already? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Omar, what, what if you? What do you? What do you think of this? I know you're mostly on a screen guy, but uh, yeah, no, but I. I, I yeah, for for me though, like I the the books I do read. Uh, in once in a blue moon uh, a lot of them are jedi focused so like anything around the prequels always super interests me uh the one that i've missed unfortunately was um was it knighthood brotherhood brotherhood, uh, brotherhood. Yeah, there you go yeah. i missed that one i need to catch up and, and read that one but you know i love <laughs> i love uh any books in regards to jedi that we know and um earlier when I was trying my best to co- collect uh, all of the paper cannon stuff, um, I read the Mace Windu comic, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of since then been hoping for there to be like a really strong mm-hmm. canon uh, Mace Windu focused story. And this sounds like it. And it also happens to include one of my favorite Jedi, uh, Qui Gon Jinn, even though if he's not there, it's about mm-hmm. him still. So uh, I think that's really interesting and particularly to learn that like Mace and Qui-Gon, who I see as like total opposite ends of the spectrum uh, in terms of like Jedi ideology, to to learn that they were close and that also um, that there's probably going to be this arc for Mace Windu uh, in reconciling some things about himself and his relation to uh, Qui-Gon and his ideology. I'm, I'm I'm mostly curious to see how they're going to handle that. If mm-hmm. if it is going to end with him thinking uh, maybe more of a rejection of how Qui-Gon thought, which maybe hardens him more, 
uh, or if he has a new perspective and a, a new view uh, on on said uh, Qui Gon's beliefs and how he interacted with the Order. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things that I think uh, that could come from this, and I'm really really excited for it because I uh, I'm, I'm 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 definitely going to try my best to read this as well as the Living Force, which mm -hmm. uh, the other. Uh, prequel era novel that I'm super excited for it just just off of the summary and premise of that alone uh, really strong premises for these upcoming books I would say uh, it sounds exciting yeah, yeah definitely again for Phantom Menace lovers specifically Mace Windu fans I mean he's also getting his own Marvel comic another crack at the comic books I didn't mind that Marvel comic uh, from a mm -hmm. few years ago but yeah I mean it, it was kind of odd because he definitely is more of the peacekeeper uh, mm -hmm. A little bit, and then it switches into oh yeah, he's leading the Clone War, um, right? To the beginning of the Clone War. So, yeah, uh, great points. Definitely get yeah, in terms of relationship with Qui Gon. Um, yeah, I mean, who, who doesn't love Qui Gon? I mean, I love Qui Gon. So, I love uh, we'll see. Um, Joel, do you have any last thoughts on on this Mace Windu, the Glass Abyss? No, but I'm definitely seeing 2020. But they were really, really right for fan missing because 2024, two. Yeah. Prequel novels, we normally get at least three standalones, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. we, you know, I think we're due for maybe we'll have one more that's in the prequel era and have three standalone prequel, not Clone Wars, move, uh, you know, yeah. stories. That'd be fun. I mean, and, and kind of a note you were saying here, is, is this starting to fill in that gap between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones more? I hope so. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All righty then. Yeah, right. Uh, we can leave this up. It's so beautiful, but <laughs> I know it's so good with the Jedi Sorry. symbol and all yeah. that. It's good stuff. So time to to move on. Uh, Joel, I will let you take this away. The sequel trilogy. Oh wait, wait. Dun 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 dun. dun. Seven eight nine. Oh, seven eight nine. Seven eight nine. Yeah, there's a song. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a contact. So. Uh, <laughs> Back on the flagship, when they would be mm -hmm. discussing news about film episode seven, eight, or nine, that they'd have that song. I don't even know who sung it. I'll it's a Sesame Wonderful. Street song, I think. Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, then, yeah, so. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Here we yeah. go. Exciting. All right. All right. Okay. The sequel trilogy, the themes, the meta narrative. What does it all mean? I'm going to ask Omar. Omar, simple question for you to begin. What is the overarching theme of the entire sequel trilogy, seven, eight, nine? <laughs> That's such a hard question, Joel, and I can't believe you had to ask me that. But <laughs> see, when you gave somewhere. me the notes, yeah, no, when you gave me the notes, I was like, I need to sit down and really think about this. Uh, and the more, the more, like I, the answer to me, at least, is obvious. But like, I, I wanted to really think about every kind of connection there is with uh, the sequel trilogy, mm -hmm. and so I, I think like the main overarching theme of the sequel trilogy is to reestablish faith in the Jedi slash old institutions that maybe have been viewed in a not as great light because of some of the graying between the two of like light and dark, good and evil. Uh, you know, we, we live in a very gray world um and i think that's very reflecting on in the sequel trilogy as well and i think both and and we're going to get into the whole meta aspect of it but both mm -hmm. uh on our screens and behind the screens you know um 
I think maybe opinions have changed in regards to how people view the Jedi. And I think um, by accident or on purpose, I do think the, um, the sequel trilogy does a pretty good job in creating, um, try to show that it's possible to have faith again in some of these older institutions um, that you should still remain to be wary of, still criticize, but um, but yeah, no, they're still they're still in place because there is good that can come from them. Now I like that a lot. I especially think Ryan was hitting on something with that because I always like to say Luke Skywalker is very much the prequel haters, <laughs> maybe some of the prequel fans, quite frankly, who exactly. I think misread the movies, who are like, oh, Jedi suck. Time to get rid of the Jedi. Um, Jedi guy and because they suck because the prequels made them suck. Um, which, you know, we've talked a lot, Matthew, on this yeah. podcast of whether or not that was the actual message or our fans just taking it the wrong they need way. To stop overcompensating. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, we, we have talked about it. I've brought it up several times. What I mean is, is my, my critique of the Jedi being all, oh, I'm coming at this from a real world perspective where religious I'm part of religious institutions and I got to make sure I'm being adequately critical of them. Of exactly. Those, you know, and then George Lucas just I'm comes to your house and goes, stop it. Bonk. <laughs> I'm gonna bonk well, also, I think it's very, important. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very important to have those conversations. And I oh, think yeah, yeah. the sequel trilogy touches on that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. continue, continue. No, 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 <laughs> I, I agree. I think, I think the sequels... Mm-hmm. are very much responding to those fans. Yeah. I especially saw the last Jedi wasn't in particular. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of fan critiques, those sort of fan mm-hmm. fears. And, you know, I mean, again, like I said, that's what I like about Luke Skywalker. He mm-hmm. is those criticisms that came out of the prequel saying, Jedi suck. Um, and, then, the <laughs> and, you know, exactly. and then, you know, it's like, no, you're wrong, Luke. Um, so yeah, yeah, I love that. I like that vibe of it. Um, Matthew, I nuance, yeah, I want to just nuance one thing and I'll say, yep. I, uh, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, it's not so much institutions because the institutions, the Jedi institutions are, are, they're gone. I will yeah. say when it comes to the institutions, it might be better to say, to say that, that that's just how they were at the time. Mm-hmm. What the last Jedi specifically, and I love the last Jedi, but you know, the Rise of Skywalker does this too. Mm-hmm. Not so much institutions, but traditions. And I think there's there's a, I mean, it's a semantic thing, but there's a distinction that you can make about institutions are kind of accidents of history. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason, um, the reason my church is organized the way it is. You know, is in some sense of just an accident of inheriting from the Roman imperial system with, they had things called dioceses and overseers. And so now uh, 1700 years later, after the, after Constantine, my church has dioceses and bishops and these territorial units that are, you know, all that. Um, but also to say, but there's still a tradition of, uh, of of leadership and oversight and of uh with the word we see is oversight overseers it's kind of just a again more greek um <laughs> episcopoi uh to say yeah tradition uh the tradition of both clear leadership and coming together and gathering in council are these traditions that 
we can interpret and understand in new contexts. And yeah, so to say, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, the, exactly. where my mind goes is the real world parallel here is, is what a lot of indigenous communities do in that. Um, and I've had to evolve and say, it's not, uh, it's not a silver lining that, you know, missionaries came to white British missionaries came to Canada and, and you know, uh, said here, you're, you, you all be Christians now or else we'll kill you. And that that's a silver lining that they're Christians now. It's just that they, they want to be, and it's despite everything that we did, um, that they're able now to adapt to their, to their own context. And they, they say, okay, this is meaningful and hopeful, including all the challenges they face in terms of depression and poverty and, uh, right. And, and drug abuse and, uh, to have, okay. To say that this institution, it, it can be a genuinely indigenous institution that carries on the traditions of community and faith that, yeah, despite everything we want to hold on to and, and, and evolve in our context. And so, yeah, especially the last Jedi, I think, yeah, with Ray, you know, in the rise of Skywalker, taking the books, taking the wisdom from the books. It's funny because with the books, you have Yoda in The Last Jedi saying to Luke and playing up with Luke, his, his whole need to burn things down to let go of the past, let go of his conception of the past. And what happened with, you know, the way he's projecting everything that happened with, with Ben onto the whole Jedi, the Order as a whole, I mean, it's his need to let go and, and versus Ray's need to carry on and that both are true at the same time. And uh, yeah, again, the last judge does that more clearly, but I can give Rose Skywalker some credit there. Well, Yoda knew those books were already gone. They're like, I'm just burning down a tree at he this did. point. He did. He's just, he's yeah. just playing Luke. He likes to do that. He's a tricky little guy. <laughs> little prankster. Little prankster My favorite scene in the whole film. I love that. Yeah. that film. Oh, yeah. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> moment. Great moment, and honestly, yeah. it might be the moment of the sequel trilogy if we really have to like pinpoint a, a point. Is that what I would say? Is we, you know, it grows beyond, and it, the idea of growing beyond uh, mm -hmm. something, the idea of change, uh, yeah. I think, is incredibly important in the sequel trilogy, um, because again, there there are good good things that can come from old things, uh, but the point is to not, as you said, throw out. The baby with the bathwater but it's to grow and evolve and yeah. i i think that's beautifully said in probably in all three of them but in particularly yes the last jedi so yeah, yeah. now i have a question for you omar and mm -hmm. i just saw this but you're a research guy so maybe i'm gonna be like i'm gonna look out i'm gonna look out maybe okay uh -oh. have you okay. read the duel of the fates script and is how fresh uh is that in your head probably not the freshest but i have read it <laughs> yes um in fact, I, I did a little comparison in regards to two different drafts, and mm -hmm. the the second draft being one that was after uh, the passing of Carrie Fisher, and how mm -hmm. they had to readjust uh, in order to um, try to to right. to work with that. Obviously, that unfortunate circumstance. Um, of course, yes. but uh, so that was about a few like a month ago. So sorry, go on. Okay, I should have asked you to read it again just in case, but I, I didn't. So okay. that's my that's my bad because I just saw that right now. Do you think that theme sticks even in that or that duel of the fates draft as well? That theme of the institution or the traditions, because if it does, 
that to me signifies that there maybe was more of an overarching theme going into this trilogy than than people perceive. And I'm curious if by reading any of those versions that you picked up on any of that. If you can't remember, that's fine. We'll just have to go off of... We could just go off of what we have now, but I'm just curious because um, I do think these, theme, these thematics are planned out a little bit in advance before the actual movie comes out. I um, think the only thing that... I'm sure there are instances in that script that can be viewed in that light, but right now the one thing, in the, the biggest contradiction in my mind that is just popping up is uh, the idea of using both light and dark in this kind of gray truly a gray Jedi kind of uh, viewpoint um, that I don't fully agree with and how it's utilized in that script. Um, yeah, because the answer is, oh, the Jedi should have been embracing the dark this whole time. And I, uh, I just think that comes from a lack of understanding uh, of like the core tenets of, of what a Jedi is. The Jedi is balance in my mind. Like I associate jedi more with balance than light side they just wield the light side in order to counteract the balance so because of that because of that whole situation it makes me think that colin right colin trevorrow yeah, um, it makes me think that colin trevorrow wasn't as much interested in well no that's not true either because he does he does end the story with um again it's been a while since i've since i've read it but he does end the story with the idea of a new form of Jedi that utilizes the dark side. It's uh, along with the light. So again, I don't know. It, it makes the point, but not in a way that I would have wanted to. And mm. as for other points in that script, I would have to reread it. I don't know if any of the That's Coruscant fair. stuff um, yeah. that happens would align. There, there are definitely some similarities. Duel of the Fates is very similar to The Rise of Skywalker in some beats, like very similar. Like, I understand why they are credited in the credits of The Rise of Skywalker, because there are a lot of beats that are just the same. So, um, yeah, just, just I mean, given different names. But I yeah. mean, that, that happens, you know, it's like uh, if, if we see, you know, hypothetically, hopefully we see the Ray film and David Lindelof still in the writer credit. Like, oh, I wonder how much of that script they actually how did much keep. Of that happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, how much, you know, uh, but... I mean, just a thought there. How much of the whatever? I mean, I don't remember how much of Mortis is involved in it but is some of that can come up in ahsoka somehow very you know question. kind of roundabout yeah. way but mm -hmm. yeah it's a very good Maybe question hard to hard to tell again like they I like about to recycle the, yeah. they do i mean like i mean like i said when we did our mortis thing the thing about why i'm okay with no no mortis in episode nine and sure. why feloni's doing it because i think feloni's gonna do it a little bit more closer to whatever he and george used to talk about compared to colin just kind of taking mortis and doing whatever he right. wanted to no do doubt. but uh, i know dave whole... has like a, a a folder somewhere of mortis stuff that i want to steal oh my gosh oh, i'm sure he does i do <laughs> and i don't i want to just see the story but also yes i'll yeah. read that <laughs> i need that thing now <laughs> right yeah. so yeah so there so there's um uh oh yeah hold on yeah 10 years 10 years yeah. force awakens 2025 I that know. actually somehow dates me more than the prequel thing because <laughs> I just remember being in college and being super excited for The Force Awakens and uh, putting the the trailer up for all my <laughs> friends to see in the yeah. the community lounge at my college. Yeah, just so, such good times. That's that's a I mean, weird. Yeah, it's a weird. Twenty twenty five. It's gonna be uh, 
Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, Revenge of the Sith at 20, and mm -hmm. Force Awakens at 10, which is also wild to think will be equidistant from, like, well, from, uh, it'll be, what was it say? Will be the same distance from then to Force Awakens as Force Awakens to Revenge of the Sith. That's right. And they're only 10 yeah. years apart. They we are. call it the Dark Ages. They're only 10 years apart. It doesn't seem that yep. long anymore. So <laughs> I think it may be. I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, long, you know. I'm sure, but oh yeah. yeah. I mean, look at the. I mean, you know, a three to ninety nine. If you don't care about any of the books and stuff coming yeah. out at the time, yeah. it's like that's a long time. That's Star Wars mm -hmm. is over for you as far as if you're not interested in the book stuff. Yeah. Um. But um. I digress. Right. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Great first starter. Um. I, I guess the, the the next point is, and I'll I'll toss this over to you, Matthew. Because I think mm -hmm. I don't want to accuse you like you're the most critical of the sequels out of all of us. Um, but I I think would mm. be before going before before seeing the the, the sequels on the whole, mm -hmm. and I guess maybe after Rise of Skywalker before I don't know where we want to date this kind of mentality thinking. Is this the theme that you would have wanted to see going in because? And to kind of quote Omar's tweets from earlier, you know, the sequels are this kind of meta thematic, um, very, you could almost say that they're very influenced by the outside world. I mean, not that yeah. Star Wars isn't influenced by the outside world, all Star Wars is influenced by the outside world, yeah, yeah. but in a different way compared to, say, you know, the original six, which is obviously the Vietnam allegory, the Fall of Republic, yada, yada, yada. This is almost influenced by the history of Star Wars as a franchise and the fan discourse around it. Yeah. Um, yes. And I wonder, maybe, Matthew, if that, I, I don't want to say you struggle, but it's like, is that something that you thought about going in? Or were you thinking there'll be more of yeah. that in-universe, like, oh, this is now the story of the Iraq War allegory. I don't know. Some, I don't know. Something well, I don't think the prequels are the Iraq War, right? That's true. That's um, early 2000s. Uh, we still in Iraq in I'm trying to situate myself in 2015. 2015... Back in time, back in was time. actually my great transition from being a trekker to a Star Wars fan. Okay, um, primarily, and just because, yeah, Star, Star Trek was kind of kind of going out the window. Uh, it wasn't very relevant anymore, and didn't know what it was. And then along comes uh, Force Awakens and Rebels, and Anaheim Celebration, Anaheim, and just the. The uh, yeah, the hype around it, the excitement around it, the marketing. I mean, the way celebration that was the first celebration to be on YouTube and to throw everything on YouTube, and I was glued, uh, glued to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe looking back, if I thought, of, I'd say, in contrast to what Star Trek was at the time, I was just said, let Star Wars be clear to itself and what it is. I was thinking about things, I think, in terms of Gene Roddenberry's optimism and how that doesn't track anymore, but also but also Enterprise and, I guess, Discovery. I don't know if Discovery came out yet. Uh, we had really but gone after away. the Abrams films. So yeah. Then the Abrams films were all right, but, you know, uh, Enterprise had really kind of gone away from what Star Trek initially was trying to be, but also is that inspiring... You know, Battlestar Galactica is in my mind very clearly at that time. Just you know, having had it had just finished, and its cynicism 
And yeah, to say, okay, let, let's tell Star Wars as this fun, exciting, hopeful story that it was. I was also in the midst of becoming more of a prequelist at that time as well. And so uh, to say, okay, is it going to grapple? I wanted it to grapple with, uh, with the events of the prequel trilogy as a main story and the themes and ideas that are presented in that tension between here is this institution uh, filled with, you know, these characters, you know, uh, characters, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Mace Windu and Qui-Gon and trying to do the best they can in this impossible situation and reflecting on the legacy of Anakin Skywalker and really diving in. I know I've modified this a little more of, okay, the chosen one and, and the parallels again with real world religious beliefs and whatnot. I wanted it to grapple with it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's, you know, going in, I can see why, I was oh, yeah. disappointed by Force Awakens. I was disappointed a little bit by Force Awakens, a little bit by Rise of Skywalker. It really, but it really was. Here's the thing: it really was the Last Jedi that that gave me what I needed, without even fully knowing it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, this is what uh, this is what the sequel trilogy really is doing is reflecting on, yeah, like you say, how we have come to understand what a hero is, how Star Wars has told us what a hero is, how Star Wars has really told us what a hero is and not what we think. And so, um, you know, to the extent that Rise of Skywalker can pick that up still and say, Ray, she's going to stand up and not actually strike Palpatine down and not actually give in to the power of her bloodline and become a creamsicle Jedi. <laughs> That's my word for great Jedi is actually creamsicle Jedi. <laughs> um, you know, Balin and Shin, whatever they're, whatever they're trying to do. But also, but instead say use his power against him. Um, but also, yeah, reflecting on the legacy of Anakin a little more. And so, I mean, that's kind of what I was hoping for going in. And so maybe I, I didn't fully get that. Again, with Last Jedi, I got something more important. I got mm-hmm. something more, you know, more reflective on our real world, and the narrative or discourse around it really pushed it out. Right? It really said. I mean, that's that's the thing we're talking about—the meta narrative. Right. Um, yeah, and meta being meaning it, it, it's this quantum thing of the thing changes as you observe the medium and the message. The content is the audience. Um, the audience of the last try really became its content. Yeah. I, you know, um, so yeah, uh, I'll say maybe to answer your question, you know, the, what I hope for versus what I got, you know, can, can I can, you know, again, it's, that's the tricky thing of seeing. And that's where, I mean, I, I'm open to hearing, you know, how force awakens and rise of Skywalker really tie into this. It's just, it's a little harder for me to see. I'm not saying I'm, critical i've heard some deeper criticisms of those films but they're fun but i want to yeah i'm open to hearing what you guys have to say about about the other two films well i do think that i'm gonna be honest i think even last jedi doesn't do much i think it's weird how like even last jedi weirdly doesn't do what i think most people wanted which i think I think people want when they said they wanted more continuity with the prequels, and I, I think for last you last year is enough. But I think what they wanted, they wanted like 
they did want Coruscant. They kind of yeah. did want what Duel of the Fates was giving them. They well, wanted. Saying, here's what I'm saying, Joel. Is is right. yeah, I wanted that. And then Ryan Johnson looks me in the eye and says, "Do you really? Do you really want that? <laughs> <laughs> or do you want something? Here's something better." Is what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and you know, I think that's what they want for everyone. You like, you know, right? You know, like when Palpatine does his little Plagueis thing. I think people wanted full on. You know, Palpatine going, I use the ancient techniques of Darth Plagueis. Look, there's a picture of Darth Plagueis. He's right Just there. the word midi-chlorians. You, you look at, he <laughs> used the midi-chlorians. And then, you know, I got pictures of like, I don't know, Luke and Leia looking at a picture of Padme. Because they're missing their mom or something. I don't know. But I think they want some more overt thing. And I think, yeah. I think with, I think really Colin Gerard was the only one who was like, okay, we'll do the overt thing. Here's Coruscant. Um, here's Naboo. And now Filoni and Ahsoka is doing the overt thing, but. And right. we're getting lots of Coruscant now, but anyway. oh yeah, it's yeah. Coruscant world. But um, yeah, and I think both Abrams and Ryan weirdly, especially for that first, the first two especially, kind of like now we're gonna go more of a meta thing. You know, mm -hmm. we're gonna do more like, you know, Ray is not in the smack dab middle of the Star Wars universe. She's kind of she's is a Star Wars fan. She is a fan of Star Wars. Like I, I watch the Star Wars. I know how this works. Um, and you know, exactly. Kylo Ren's kind of the opposite. He is the angry fanboy. He doesn't want to let go of anything, and then he doesn't want to let go. So he's like, I don't want to let go, but I also want to burn it all down. This franchise <laughs> sucks. I'm gonna go on Twitter and complain, but not be proactive. Um, but um, I've rambled. Omar, do you want to talk about maybe Force Awakens? Yes. How it contributes well, to? I, I kind of or wanted to go off of what Matthew said first, uh, yeah. but we okay. could definitely get into Force Awakens, but. Um, just off of the idea, because what we're really talking about here is we have two different creatives being JJ and Ryan and how they approached telling a Star Wars story. And I think like, like what I said, the whole reestablishing the faith of the Jedi, I think that's something that Ryan had in mind, um, mm -hmm. in how he told his story. I think JJ had a very different purpose in mind, but accidentally... <laughs> It ended up helping Ryan's case. And so I, I really do think of like, whether it was planned or not, I do think there is a coherent thread throughout all of uh, the sequel trilogy. It's just whether or not it was on purpose or not, or it's a read that you can have. Um, and it's the idea that I think the prequels are still instrumental to watching the sequel trilogy. In fact, I would say like you should absolutely like like there are some people that say oh you could just watch the original trilogy and then the sequel trilogy and you'll be fine. Uh, I don't agree with that. Um, and in fact, I dare say like you have to watch the prequels and kind of understand how people reacted to the prequels uh, in order to continue. So, uh, sorry, give me one second. I'm losing my voice. Hydrate. <coughs> Hydrate. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. I could talk a little bit while you do that. Um, yeah, actually, no, I, I'm going to turn on my, my fan. Give me one second. But I, I agree with that because I think, again, with Last Jedi in particular, not quite sure about Force Awakens, and I can't wait to hear Omar's thing. Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker's perspective of the Jedi makes no sense without the prequels, in my opinion. No, yeah. Like, it makes no sense. Like, oh, like people get all, I mean, you know, even I could have, but he, I'm he like... Quotes it. No, he literally says, right. he says Darth Sidious. But, no, know. no, no, it doesn't even matter about Darth Sidious. It's just like... Yeah. The, the whole point is Luke Skywalker is the Jedi hater that came out of the prequels. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the prequels, 
But people probably are going to be happy with the Jedi. They're probably still, in their imaginations, think the Jedi are these cool, action-wielding space monks. Mm-hmm. Instead of I mean, being at the height kind of, of their power is that quote. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they're kind of thinking about, you know, but instead, you know, we still kind of have, again, misconception maybe, kind of the, the boring Jedi Council just kind of sitting there, kind of, you know, <laughs> dull. They don't allow kids. Basically, <laughs> they don't like that kid. They don't like this kid. Um, uh, you know, and it's like, wait, wait, wait. It's sort of like, so like now we get why Luke Skywalker does not like the Jedi. Uh, but go on, Omar. Sorry, I, I right, no, sorry, sorry. I just had to get a drink of water and turn on the fan because it's getting hot in here. Thank but you. all right. So to follow up on my point, I think J.J. Abrams made the Force Awakens, and this this is a view that a lot of people had when it first came out, like kind of as a response to the prequels in terms of like a return to the aesthetic of the old. We want to get as far away as the prequels as we can, even to the point of not really talking about the politics of it. Um, I think that's, it's a harsh read, but at the same time, it's a little hard to argue in some regard uh, in how much he kind of went into kind of getting that original trilogy aesthetic. Um, But at the same time though, there are still shades of gray that have been added that I think you could argue is very prequel trilogy like. Um, I think it's, uh, even though it doesn't like directly tie in, like there's something great in having a, a, a character like, like Finn, who is a stormtrooper turn good. That's, that's a concept that really blurs the lines. And I think that's something that's, I'm really appreciative of. And mm-hmm. it's that for Kylo, uh, being a, a dark side figure who gets called to the light and Ray, who is just a reluctant hero but for like the entire film and you could even say the entire trilogy um that really i think is uh interesting and an interesting aspect of the force awakens Mm -hmm. that jj kind of brings to the table uh that is a good start and it's a it's a good something that ryan probably identified early on and then continued just in a deeper way whereas jj abrams is more responding to prequel trilogy aesthetics Ryan was maybe responding more to the response of the prequels and how people interpreted the Jedi afterwards. Just be quick here. I'll just say this now. This is the only reason why I would have loved to see Colin's episode nine, just because like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, JJ did this, Ryan built on that. Then what was Colin's kind of final, like, I mean, I guess maybe like, nope, great Jedi are the thing. That's, that's my answer to how this ends. But go ahead, Martin, I, sorry. Well, first of all, I'll say I think I think Kathleen Kennedy would have had a word. Uh, <laughs> she did. She got fired. <laughs> she had a word. She had more than one. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, Omar, just to, I mean, maybe to, mm-hmm. to help me understand what you're getting at here, and I, I think mm-hmm. I get. Yeah, this is really really insightful. Mm-hmm. It's the theme of embracing traditions while learning to to adapt to them. That's that's a, a, an ongoing struggle that is only finally mm-hmm. achieved when she's lying on her back and hearing all the Jedi voices. She's mm-hmm. actually finally open to it. Yeah. Starting out with Ray as the reluctant hero and the reluctant Jedi going mm-hmm. through all the ringer that she does in the last Jedi to become right. the place where even her, the thing she was longing for her family lineage that turns out to be the dead. That turns out right. to be what, you know, what I think the Mortis blade is going to be. Uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, she can still embrace her destiny and confronting fear. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that, I, I definitely, it, it's a dynamic thing. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's learning 
because in our day, especially in our age, and there's the meta story, we're told either you you hold on, you conserve for the sake of conserving, or you innovate for the sake of innovating. You, you do neither. You, there's no sense of you, you, you. We're supposed to actually have the wisdom to respond in the present with the resources we have and the creativity we have. And right. and so it's a struggle and a struggle of uh, of millennials and Gen Z and and younger generations and said uh, younger generations to say no wait a minute <laughs> you know yes okay boomer like we, we can actually take what we've learned including failure mm-hmm. failure isn't a terrible thing we can also exactly take the wisdom and insights that you've developed through you know through you know whatever of of, of previous decades and generations but also yeah, this is the world we're in, and it, it is terrible in some ways, but also beautiful. And the open possibilities of, you know, we can be at three different corners of a continent and in in real time having a conversation like this on the internet. You know, Woo! different things. Just the the capabilities and possibilities. Yeah, it's it's a matter of growth and maturity, and it takes time. And and to see Ray, that's the thing I say. The biggest strength of the sequel trilogy. Is that mm-hmm. its main character is its most compelling character, right? Yes, my main, my favorite character in the sequel trilogy is the main character, which you don't often say, right? It's true, open here, but yeah, she true. actually yeah. is, and so you know, there, there's something, yeah, that she actually is comes from. Right? Yeah, okay. Oh, I, I see more deeply. Yeah. Okay, so I'll ask. I'll I'll make a point, and then I'll kind of throw it to Omar for the next part. Yeah, I do wonder if. And maybe, Matthew, this is another thing when we talk about what you got versus what you want, and obviously your prequels. And maybe because we were so used to the prequels, the prequels, and I'll kind of go over this again, the prequels do kind of have a, I would argue, I mean, I will say this in not a bad way, just like, I think a more obvious and maybe more heavy-handed thematic, like almost like on a grander societal level, like, this is how republics fall. You know, like this. Like George Lucas whacking you in the face with it. You know, while yeah. sequels, yeah, maybe, and maybe why people have trouble with this to a certain extent. I, mean, I don't know. Is the prequel themes are a lot, and I think the prequels in general. I think I, I would say the prequels are better at this than the uh, prequel. Uh, sequels are better than the prequels, and this is where I think the originals kind of have the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, sequels, I think, just have more fundamental. I don't want to say kind of more poignant characters that are a lot more easily identifiable from the get-go. I mean, that's what relatable. people think. Relatable characters. I think yeah. the themes kind of work a lot more about the characters. Um, it's a bit more micro of a theme where it's like, it's more, it's not about like, here's the grand sweeping societal thing about the galaxy. There's a little bit of that, but it's more concentrated in one person, AKA Ray, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit of Kylo, um, and a little bit of Finn Poe. Um, I mean, they could get used to more, but, you know, it's definitely a lot more there. Um, but, and I think compared to the prequels, which are a lot more, here's how the Republic fell and became the Empire. Um, although I think Episode 3 kind of got that Anakin characterization pretty down. The sequels are a lot more micro than macro in their storytelling. Um, and Omar, I'll, I'll toss this to you. And also, if you want to kind of explain how, maybe for all its faults or not, Rise of Skywalker actually is able to, make the theme possible because obviously i think it's the third one that kind of decides what the, the actual theme of the whole thing is in mm-hmm. my opinion so 
I'll leave you with those thoughts, and I'll let Omar you just talk about Rise of Skywalker and how that plays into this theme. Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and say whenever I've had the opportunity to sit and like write about the sequel trilogy, like whether it be a script, something that I try to like you know make tangible into like my words, into even like mm-hmm. just Twitter thread, I always find myself first analyzing the characters because I do think the characters, probably more so than any of the other trilogies are kind of the core of what the sequel trilogy is like it's the story essentially is their arcs each individual character's arc is just the the the, the story of the entire sequel trilogy um like e- e- if you even compare it to like say the prequel trilogy i think it's easier to say like here are the grand events that happened in the galaxy in the prequel trilogy like here's order 66 here's when the war started here's where blah 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 and the sequel trilogy isn't as much interested as like here's the start of the first order conflict more so it's as it's it's saying like here's the characters and here's how they evolve from everything that is happening but everything that is happening isn't that important all you need to know is that these characters are stand-ins for you as an audience member to be inside the world of star wars and kind of like mando in season two and one yeah yeah like there's there's a lot of like exactly for that but um yeah so in that regard um yes uh the rise of skywalker does kind of uh bring everything together i think um later on i'll kind of talk about more of the uh hegel's method Mm -hmm. which is something that uh, that, uh, we'll get to but i think um the rise of skywalker does have a combination of synthesis in terms of a lot of ideas that both the force awakens and the last jedi have and again like i talked about before the force awakens kind of deals with more of the aesthetics of what star wars is and the last jedi kind of deals more into the discussion of what star wars is and uh and i think together <laughs> yes exactly uh and i think together with the rise of skywalker which is interesting uh the rise of skywalker does something very interesting in my opinion uh <laughs> It, much like George Lucas, who doesn't believe in subtlety, J.J. Uh, Abrams kind of comes up and says, hey, do you know, like, this kind of metaphorical era, the area that we've been kind of living in with the sequels? What if everything metaphorical became literal? And that's kind of what he does for a lot of the story. Not just J.J., obviously. It's um, Chris Terrio as well, uh, yeah. who is the, the main writer as well. Um, but what I like to kind of always go to is that for Ray. The darkness that Luke saw in her in The Last Jedi and mm-hmm. Ray's entire insecurities in taking the hero role, in taking that lightsaber, it's as if they looked at that and said, okay, let's take all of those aspects of Ray that can be seen as negative. Let's manifest that into a single character and let's call him Palpatine. Let's also just have mm-hmm. Palpatine in here. Uh, <laughs> and because that's what he is. He's, he's yeah. the source of that darkness for Ray that we've seen in The Last Jedi. And what what more insecurity can you have for Rey than what she already had than to say that she's related to the devil? And that's what that's what Palpatine is in mm. this narrative. He is the devil. He is the dark side yeah. uh, made the for... The rotting corpse. Exactly. Like, I mean, again, very literal. He, he doesn't believe in metaphorical anymore. JJ's <laughs> like, we're, we're going to be very literal with this. And in much the same way, Kylo... Also, like, again, he has a darkness that in him that promises him power. Now, all of a sudden, he 
gets to meet Palpatine, who, guess what he promises him as soon as he meets him? Power. Oh, Not just power, wow. an instant win button that oh, would allow him to just control power. the galaxy. An entire fleet that would just have him be the most powerful person in the universe. So, and also, um, again, to feed into the whole idea of metaphorical becomes literal, Snoke is a literal Palpatine clone. <laughs> oh, wow. I've never thought about that that way. That's I mean, true. I mean, Dang. obviously not a literal. Joke. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was hey. a joke. It, it was. I mean, I mean, it was a very ongoing joke that uh, you could say Snoke as a character was just a Palpatine clone. Well, you're not too far off. So, uh, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, strand and, cast. Exactly yeah. a strand cast. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll say. I, I'll, sorry. No, you're good. Oh well, no. I, I the only thing I was going to end with. Uh, is the idea that it kind of heals as well. Um, mm. And maybe this is more a personal thing for The Rise of Skywalker. It kind of heals some aspects of both the prequels and original trilogy that maybe because of, uh, you could say, retcons, kind of things kind of became more muddled. With the original mm. trilogy, I wasn't a big fan of Leia being a Skywalker. Um, like, just on its own, mm. on its own in that trilogy, I wasn't the mm. biggest, like, oh, wow, you know, that doesn't do much for me in the whole narrative of the original trilogy. But that is handled very well, I think, in The Rise of Skywalker, as well as it could without actually having Princess Leia there, uh, which, you know, Carrie Fisher there. Um, it, it, she's given purpose and also the idea of her lightsaber being handed to Rey. Leia was always going to be the other, well, not always, behind the scenes shenanigans. She she was going to be the the other Skywalker in the original trilogy. And now the, the role of other Skywalker has been passed on to Rey, which is why I really love uh, the Rey Skywalker ending. Uh, th there's a whole lot of really interesting behind the scenes stuff of like how that character was originally a sister that never came to play. And then it be kind of handed it off to Leia's character. And now finally we have it in Rey. And I think that's really mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so that's the original trilogy kind of heel is what I'd like to call it. And then you have the prequel trilogy heel uh, which is, you know, if you're watching these in release order, you know, you have, which is how most people did watch him, uh, at least as they were coming out, um, you have the original trilogy and you have Darth Vader's redemption, which is kind of handled, again, incomplete in that trilogy. The prequel trilogy gave context to it, but in doing so, it ended up adding aspects that you could say haven't fully been resolved, which is the the uh, uh, the connection to the mother and the connection to the lover. Uh, that's something that is addressed in the sequel trilogy with Kylo Ren. I always said Kylo Ren is a character who is a reverse, uh, and, and he's even said this, I think, in some interviews, that he's like a reverse Vader arc. Well, mm -hmm. I, a step further, I think he's a reverse prequel Anakin arc. Um, like there's even a turning point where the mother dies much like Shmi died only it turned Anakin dark in this situation when uh Princess Leia passes it's actually a turning point for Kylo to revert back to Ben and then of course uh we might have talked about this before in the past but in in regards to the whole idea uh, or like the last time I was on this uh broadcast but just the idea of um uh Kylo doing uh finishing what Vader started and the kind of connecting that to Anakin wanting his lover to live after uh, childbirth. Um, 
but in this situation, it is reviving Ray uh, from the depths of hell, essentially, which just her dying there, essentially, uh, on Exegol. So mm -hmm. that's there's a lot going on with Rise of Skywalker yeah. that I yeah, really like. And, and sorry, so this was a very long uh, no, good. discussion. Uh, but I just wanted to say, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's really good. It's uh, I, I like the Rise of Skywalker for what it tries to do. Maybe not entirely in its ex execution. I have a lot of complaints in terms of its execution. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of does look at the previous entries as well as the entire Skywalker saga in kind of a smart way, at least if it was on purpose, which I hope it was. But, you know, even if it wasn't, I, this is what I get from it. And that's that's what I'm holding on to. So mm -hmm. I've done lots that's of Star nice. Wars is by accident and on purpose, I think so. That's probably true. Hey, uh -huh. hey, hey, yeah. I'm yeah, I just wanna, yeah. I mean, I, I did like Ray from Nowhere better mm -hmm. in the sense of what jade what ryan would say about that's the thing she fears the most mm -hmm. but if the reality is ray palpatine okay what we have especially my, when you said okay make her make her that and the embody that darkness my mind went to the the death star scene and the the vision and how of, of who she could become mm -hmm. i mean that there's the cream school jedi right there that's what happens when you become a cream school jedi you become a sith I mean, there's just it to my mind. Right. It's just not, not stable and not a stable situation. And so her carrying on that uh, that tradition of of that to me is what serving the light is about. Is is maintaining the discipline of not giving to the dark in part, you know, resisting fear, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I especially want to go back to the point about how both you and Joel were saying, you know, yeah, the prequels it. It is gr a grander story. It's a more operatic story, literally operatic and otherwise, you know, truly deeply in John Williams' score. And, mm. um, yeah, these larger than life characters. And, you know, with Ray, especially, you know, well, here, here's the parallel is, uh, you know, well, you know, Anakin and Anakin's like Superman and Batman or whatever, you know, the, the DC thing of being these larger than life. In less accessible characters, along comes Stan Lee and gives us Peter Parker, right? The, literally the guy next door. Uh, Ray is not the girl next door, but you know the 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 the, the younger younger sister, your best friend's younger sister, or whatever. Young you know, just snapper, or somebody you know, like somebody you can relate to, somebody you know, who then you know has these things within her, these this darkness within her. Because we all have our darkness within us, but also, um, I mean, the the Palpatine, you know, thing. I mean, we all have this lineage of of. Uh, here I go, theology time. <laughs> the idea of a lineage of mm -hmm. sin, of being human. I mean, Palpatine is also our all all of our humanity, in the darkest way, mm -hmm. and so, we all we all have to confront it, and, and Ray. Or Ray confronts it on behalf of the galaxy. I mean, Anakin confronts it on behalf of the galaxy. I mean, that's the Christian story is actually we don't confront it ourselves. Jesus confronts it on behalf of humanity. Um, again, bringing the parallel in. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a more personal appropriation of the theme, is maybe what to say. Uh, through Ray's own story, through her own journey. Luke does that to some extent, I'll say. I mean, it, it does mirror what Luke is doing. 
you know, with Anakin, interesting you bring up Kylo, uh, Kylo and Anakin. Um, yeah, Kylo, Kylo and Ray, they and Ben and Ray, I should say, they both uh, appropriate it personally. Luke appropriates personally. I mean, Anakin is meant to, is intentionally. I'd say it's the other way around. Anakin's actually the the opposite. Is intentionally the opposite of Luke and of Ray and of Kylo. He's the before picture, in his fall to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, with with Luke, you know, he does return and does, <laughs> is the one who confronts evil and confronts fear for the sake of the galaxy. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a really uh, well. What I'll say, you know, it speaks to what the different functions of these trilogies are meant to do and meant to be. Um, yes, the. I don't know where to sit on this. I mean, yeah, mm. the, the sequel trilogy, it, it's meant to reflect on this, the thesis antithesis between the two other trilogies. Uh, I know we can mm-hmm. get there in a minute, but also carry on that legacy. Does it mirror the, the arc of the, the original trilogy a little too closely? Um, is that kind of where the, you know, the aesthetic of the force awakens really, drives home is that this is a reboot if you will but i mean i guess the question what is different about ray than luke than luke you know mm-hmm. she is more explicitly jedi i'll say this so she at least you know, even more i think more explicitly lot. engaging the you know i mean now this is because empire strikes back was came up comes out before the prequel trilogy before clone wars but yeah i mean in the last jedi you you see the the Jedi sigil, you know. You, you see this logo here um, on the books. Mm. There, yeah. The, I guess you know, there is a more explicit appropriation of of these traditions and these institutions, even that, I'll, that I'll, Luke wasn't able around to do. And so, you know, I you know, it's not that like he's I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Luke mm-hmm. Ray is able to say I'm a Jedi. Um, it's. Yeah, I, I get the, the point of it would be more personal appropriation. I mean, I'll go as far as to say I think Ray's more like Anakin than she's like Luke, if I'm being perfectly honest. She doesn't want to go on the adventures. The whole point of Force Awakens is like, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. Right. Go so home she's the kind oh, of the anti Luke. She's yeah, also more aggressive. She's like, like, yeah. like during some of those duels, like, yeah, she's going to, she's like, Kylo Ren's lucky he, he didn't die. Like, she's ready to cut his head off half the time. <laughs> yeah. So she's got more of an aggressive side to her. Already, she gives into her anger quite a bit. Even in Last yeah. Jedi, she's like sick of Luke's shenanigans, so she's like, "I'm just gonna whoop this guy's butt." <laughs> uh, like, I'm sick of this old dude. Finally, like, Luke, get off your butt, or I'm just gonna whack it with my frustrated. stick. She's frustrated. Frustrated. <laughs> Even in the Colin Trevorrow episode nine, the whole darkness thing, which kind of was lackluster still. So it's sort of like eh, you got ten of two. You gotta got a, a literal. She's a Palpatine, or in Duel Fates, it's like. Oh, Ray's just very aggressive and angry. She's just cutting down stormtroopers left, right, and center. Um, very. I mean, yeah, like the first scene's like, yeah, he doesn't care about the stormtroopers. Like, nope, dead, dead, dead. Slash, slash. Um, I think he was honestly way more nicer in Episode Nine to the stormtroopers, quite frankly. Um, I mean, maybe she shot a couple down, but like, I don't remember in the in the duel of the fate script. She's like just slashing them all down. Like, these are human beings. It's like she just, nope, yeah. they're dead. Um. So already got that kind of aggressive side to her. Um, I mean, that's why I think in a lot of ways, both Kylo and Ben and Ray are more mirrors of Anakin than they even are mirrors of Luke in a lot of ways. Um, Just different sides of them. 
uh, him in a weird sense. But um, uh, Omar, um, mm. you know, we talk a lot about the hero's journey and all that stuff, but you want to talk about a different style of storytelling, the Hegel theory of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to patent this and make it my ring theory. Like uh, ring theory, that yeah. prequel theory, ring theory that was big yeah. all those years ago. But no, uh, it's the idea of uh, George Hegel, who is another George from a different time. <laughs> uh, the Hegelian dialectical method. I'm going to just read this quick little um, philosophy time with Omar. Philosophy. He's a 19th century philosophy, philosophy guy. Um, but <laughs> I'm just going to read this Wikipedia article to you. So. Yeah. Uh, sure. The dialectical method describes uh, changes in form of thought through their own internal contradictions into concrete form forms that overcome previous oppositions. Uh, it's essentially the process of having a thesis idea, an antithesis, uh, contrary idea, and through the conflict of those two forces, you form a synthesis. And through a lot of reading I have read, uh, I have found that it doesn't necessarily need to be the combination of these two ideas, but it's what results from the conflict of mm. these two different ideas. So a lot of people kind of can see it as like a melding, and it can be, but it's mostly like what becomes after the conflict of these two ideas, kind of the, the spark, if, if you could say, and what it can create from that. Um, so I came across this idea uh, of, of uh, thesis, antithesis, synthesis um, shortly after probably The Last Jedi, because I was just thinking to myself, man, uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, you know, I, I enjoy both of these films, but they are very different films. They, it feels like they come out to say like these different things. And as a lot of people, because, you know, this was after The Last Jedi, so there's a lot of conversation going around online. <laughs> Um, a lot of people kind of saw it as like uh, like two different directors fighting it out in their own series. And um, I always think like there's always a little truth to it, but not in the way that most people think is what I what I always kind of think. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I came to the conclusion of if all of this is on purpose, then perhaps there is going to be like a synthesis of ideas within these two films. Now, I haven't really changed my mind. I don't think a lot of it is on purpose to be quite honest with you. Um, but regardless, it's, it's something that I think can still hold true through all three films. And in fact, um, uh, what is it? Sorry. Chris Terrio actually did mention the word synthesis in there one of his interviews. So <laughs> that gave me a little hope to say, yes, I was right. Omar was right about this. Um, so it's the idea of, again, conflict in regards to two opposing things that result into a new something. And in this regard, because the sequels are so character focused, as I said before, it's all about those character arcs. What conflicts with what in order to create the end goal of the character arcs? And it's not as simple, I think, as The Force Awakens is the thesis, The Last Jedi is the antithesis, and The Rise of Skywalker is the synthesis. Like, it, mm. it's, it's not as simple as that, I think. Because in The Force Awakens, you do have some, as I mentioned before, you have some shades of gray with some of the characters that you can probably classify as more antithetical to what Star Wars is, you know? Um, mm. And, okay, so... 
the 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 last jedi has uh i think a lot of instances of synthesis like at the very end a lot of people end up saying like oh you could end with the last jedi some of them are saying that for not so nice reasons but others mm -hmm. are saying it as in like hey this does feel like an end of some kind of uh for some of these character arcs and yeah there are there are aspects of synthesis within the last jedi and yeah. the rise of skywalker I think the main aspect of it that is synthesis, because um, the Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, kind of repeats some of the things that The Last Jedi does uh, and just kind of packages everything in uh, more closer to the Force Awakens package is kind of how I describe it. But I do think Ray Skywalker is mm. the main synthesis idea. And to break it down, Ray yeah. starts off aspiring to myths. She is the one who saw the original trilogy and was inspired by it. That's the thesis. Uh, the antithesis is Rey's arc of rejecting the hero role because she doesn't believe in herself. And you can argue like uh, some of that with Luke is a projection of that where Luke starts saying about how the Jedi aren't as great as what they should be. I think you can connect that to Ray's own inner struggle of like, am I worthy to even be a Jedi if Jedi aren't even something that I should aspire to be? Mm -hmm. And you have these conflicts of interest. And what is the answer the, the, that results from the two ideological clashes? Um, we, go, we went back to it earlier. It's Yoda saying you grow what you uh, grow beyond the original thought. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the idea of Ray Skywalker. Hello? Uh oh. You're just quoting. No, down. we are what we go. We're good. Keep oh, going. Okay. oh, no. Okay. We're good. I'm, we're going. I'm frozen. Okay, okay. You so got yeah, frozen. Ray Skywalker. Uh, you're back. Ray Skywalker. Okay, I'm back. Okay, cool. No, you're back, Joel. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, I'm back. Oh, right. Joel. Okay, <laughs> sorry. So confused, guys. I was like, because I've been having internet issues this entire week, so I was really worried. No, we're okay, just okay. Keep going. Keep going. But okay, it, it's the idea that Ray Skywalker is the synthesis of these two ideas. Um, because it, uh, again, she, like a lot of people tend to focus on the idea of her name and her lineage and stuff. I think it's yeah. less about that and more about her accepting the hero role within herself. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's why Skywalker is kind of a, a bigger thing to me, uh, her taking mm -hmm. the name. It, it's not because of adoption. I see a lot of people go to the defense of adoption. I don't really care about adoption like no offense to everybody who has that connected like obviously if you see yourself in that connective yeah, connection uh you see yourself represented that's great um in my opinion in my read it's less about that it's more about her accepting the role of the hero accepting that the saber that called to her was always meant for her uh mm -hmm. and that is the synthesis in the contrasting ideas that kind of have been presented to her um and just to kind of go off of some of the other characters like really quickly yeah. finn uh finn and poe i think have their synthesis moment in the last jedi um you know finn is someone who leaves the first order it's very uh, uh again very inspirational thing that he does at the same time though he only wants to save himself and those that he deems are his close friends he doesn't want to fight for what's right um and it isn't until he kind of gets contrasting views uh, from Rose and also DJ that he starts mm -hmm. to consider, oh, maybe I am in this in order to save uh, what I love. 
I should be standing up to, uh, you know, this, this, this thing that has been oppressive of me. So to me, that is his synthesis moment. Um, Poe stepping up as leader, but while still maintaining true Poe himself is a, a big, uh, like the contradiction there is that he is a classical hero, but at the same time, like the reality of that situation is you, you get people killed sometimes when you're acting as a leader in this classical hero narrative. Um, and the goal of a resistance is to be able to survive and uh, in order to fight another day. And again, there's a lot of really great stuff with Holdo there. Um, but I'm just going to brush over these real quickly. Um, Ben saving Ray from death. Again, that's another something Kylo wanting to finish what Vader started is the thesis. Uh, his mm -hmm. feelings for Ray is the antithesis. Ben saves Ray from death is the synthesis. Um, mm. All these aspects, all these characters have their thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis moment. And uh, the Jedi themselves being able to grow beyond is uh, their synthesis as well. So, um, and of course, hopefully, I, I hope that the, the the Ray movie follows up on that, and we're able to see just how how beyond they Ray. have grown. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. that's my spiel. That's my spiel on the whole uh, Hegel's theory, uh, Hegel's sequel trilogy, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I think there's a lot there. It's just an alternate way to view these character arcs outside of the typical hero's journey, um, mm -hmm. which hey. The hero's journey is baked into Star Wars, um, yeah. but that doesn't mean there can't be alternative ways to maybe view some of the stuff. Um, I mean, also it does seem connected to the hero's journey a little bit in that yeah, you start off with an mm -hmm. idea and then that gets challenged. Yes. But yeah. also it's different in that maybe the hero's journey doesn't start off with the idea. It's that the hero's journey finds the idea partway through. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it definitely it gives more credence to what is set up in the force awakens also the Hegelian uh idea and, and it allows it to be more individual i mean my issue with the hero's journey is well, i have issues too don't, don't worry yeah, yeah my main go. issue with the hero's journey is um it's all you you too can be the hero of your own story uh if you just go and find yourself whereas you know again here well here there's here's a thesis synthesis antithesis, synthesis right hegel seems to say we inherit uh, these theses and then we go and live and test them and we find, well, yeah, well, we, we, we go in and see the limits of them and then we find, okay, here's how we uh, inherit the thesis, the, the, the theses, the, the traditions, but, uh, but evolve them, adapt them to our current situation. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, well, that, that's just it with, with Ray and the Skywalkers and maybe, and this will be, a bit of reiterating. I'm just going to name them. Reiterating, so I understand, and so I grasp what you're what you're getting at here. You know, Ray. Um, again, I'm not trying to take away. I'm just again it, re repeating, so I can understand what you're saying here. Are you saying Ray? She she sees these films. She knows these legends. She knows these legends. These stories. She says, "Oh, I want to go and be a Skywalker." And then the antithesis is. Oh, but I'm I'm Ray from nobody, nowhere, nobody, or even worse, I'm Ray of Palpatine. Uh, I can't be at all. And then the synthesis is, it doesn't actually matter. And this she comes starts to come to this. I mean, that baptism moment in the middle of the last Jedi, she starts to come to this, saying, "Doesn't matter. The lineage doesn't matter." And for the Jedi to say, 
you know, your, your midi-chlorine count only matters a little bit. Uh, look how midi-chlorines can be abused, all that stuff um, that they don't actually name in the, in the movies, but that's okay. Uh, it don't, it's okay because it doesn't really matter as much. It's uh, what you're willing to embrace and, and join up with. I mean, that's the thing. It isn't entirely individualist either. It's you're willing to join up with this resistance that uh, of folks who, I mean, the, to me, the moment, it, oddly enough, of the sequel trilogy, and, and especially The Last Jedi, it, it is, uh, uh, goodness, Paige, Rose. Rose. Wow, sorry. Finally, Rose telling Finn, finally. you know, it's not, Rose, yeah. you, know, you know, Finn's like, oh, I gotta go be the hero. I mean, it, oh, it, right. here's, a, here's an antithesis crash. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. It, but then in the right that very moment she says this is how we win not by killing what we hate that's not what a hero does right the hero saves what they love and mm-hmm. uh you know that whatever that looks like in the moment that's what a hero was meant to do for luke i mean luke gets there too right he he, he goes and he stands in front of the first order seemingly with a laser sword he doesn't make make a single blow that it's the only star wars film where there's no clash of, between two lightsabers uh he does it so he can let the resist, rest of the resistance go free so that ray can then go and fully embrace herself and go through this trial seeing she's a palpatine and letting go and saying it doesn't matter um that all the jedi are, are with her and she joins in with that tradition yeah i yeah. i i yeah, that's that's really. Uh, I never, I never thought. I mean, Hegel is kind of kind of tricky, but never, yeah, I never thought it would be that compelling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, I think, and just as you were talking, I was just thinking about like the difference between that and say the hero's journey. I think Hegel's uh, method is more more akin to developing ideas, you know. Hmm. And in this situation, yeah. it it kind of serves the sequel trilogy more. Because it's uh, this is a meta conversation about ideas, about yeah. uh, about arcs, about like these characters being metaphorical for some kind of idea that wants to convey to the audience. So in this regard of a meta like chessboard, it's probably yeah. uh, or a meta landscape. It's probably better to say like Hegel's kind of. It's easier to connect than uh, a yeah. hero's journey um, in that think, regard. Like you so. said. Sorry. Uh, well, so like you said, it, it's like The Last Jedi doesn't retcon and they're mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, maybe it's accidental, sure, but yeah, there's ways of connecting these three together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and I think we'll start wrapping up. I just want to kind of like have one, like one last final point and then we'll start wrapping up here is sure. I think what's really interesting about now this nine part saga is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just pushing these up. Keep oh, yeah, yeah. Is um, <laughs> even with Lucas's six films, we have three separate trilogies that are very different. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that, and I do think, I, mean, I think that is one of the big reasons why fans, certain fans, can have this kind of either outrageous mm-hmm. hatred or just kind of like, I'm not sure about that because mm-hmm. you no, know, you have the original trilogy. So I think that is more the typical hero's journey. You know, it's not, it's grand and epic, but I also think it's really small. 
in a weird sense. It can be. It's that's the, the weird thing about the original trilogy. It's both grand and small. If you really mm-hmm. think about it, it's very. You have the prequels, which is Lucas like, okay, we're gonna do a different trilogy, grander. It's, it's a Greek tragedy. It's mm-hmm. you know, kind of this big epic, and then weirdly, I would even argue the sequel trilogy is even smaller. It's even more character based. Mm-hmm. It is kind of less about. It's just about young people kind of growing up in a weird way and kind of, you know, and it's very almost almost overly relatable. Although I would say Luke <laughs> is probably relatable to an audience in 1970. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, almost almost more and kind of like dealing with the legacies of mm-hmm. the older generation even more so than maybe even the original trilogy was, quite frankly. And I think that even being one through nine, I think it kind of maybe get people whacked out because like okay it's supposed to be one thing and in six of those cases you got the same guy doing six of those but mm-hmm. no. for three of those he decided you know what i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do something completely different i'm gonna make a, a greek tragedy different vision different vision <laughs> get out of here kurtz no one likes you um <laughs> and then obviously you know with the sequel having even two directors it's like even kind of even more wacky so it's like you have nine films but they kind of all kept this difference between at least three of them. It's kind of like three cutoffs. And I wonder if that just yeah. makes it whack. I mean, I love it. I love it, of course. But uh, I'm actually, I'll throw it to you. Can you just get that thing? I mean, again, I mean, one is, you know, I guess the purpose of, of, you know, the originals was just to, first of all, to set up this world and then to tell, yeah, tell this, this hero's journey, Luke's story, George incorporating, uh, you know everything from uh, from you know, Campbell to Flash Gordon to Kurosawa to whatever, and then he goes back and tells the, this this Greek Roman epic, but also has Italian opera in it that yeah. has you know you know more explicit I'd say Christian ideas and in, in questions and institutions, and then yeah you have uh, and also the original trilogy Empire Strikes Back <coughs> is a lot more Eastern in its you know, the way Yoda talks about the Force and um, those med- that meditation more explicitly mystical and contemplative. Then, yeah, you have the the sequel trilogy, which, like you said at the top, it's meant to reflect back on all this, mm-hmm. meant to 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 take it in and say, what do we do now? What do we say now? What kind of Star Wars story do we tell now? All that. One thing I thought about though is, and you know, this is George Lucas bursting in here. You know, it's 4 p.m. on Sunday. I got to go get to church. <laughs> my, my church is at 5 p.m. George, stop uh, waking him up. Stop complaining about the Jedi. I go to church. <laughs> and he's got Ewan McGregor and James Arnold Taylor with him. <laughs> and James Arnold Taylor and I could literally go to church. Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi, especially in, in Revenge of the Sith. And he gets a bad rap, too. I don't quite know why. <laughs> um, I mean, he kind of... Fudges things, you know, from a certain point of view, and all, you know, whatever. Um, he, yeah, like I was saying, he. I find him very relatable. He's kind of my self-insert character there, in that same reason why, with say the Last Jedi, this question of here's a time of great turbulence and great upheaval and great uncertainty. Um, that you know, uncertainty in our traditions and in institutions, mm-hmm. and yet. Here I am at the front, having to uh, and being in positions where I've had to, you know, embody the institution and, and you know be be in part of a leadership in a community and mm-hmm. you know 
say, okay, well, this is what the Bible is saying, and this is what our traditions are saying to our current time and to our to right now. And so, you know, if there's anyone who, oddly enough, here's the embodies, you know, that's you know, he he knows Anakin's the father. He knows that, uh, you know, well, you know, he he knows that everything's crumbling around him with the, you know, the Sith have taken over and the Jedi order as a whole, I've created the stigma against Anakin. It's pushed him away. He knows, you know, if Satine had just said the word, he would have been gone to all that. Um, he, in the end is still, you know, except for what we see at the beginning of Kenobi, but also that's his arc there. He, you know, he's still, you say, okay, how do we, uh, how do we keep Luke and Leia alive? How do we preserve the light? And and I'm gonna give up everything I've known and go spend 20 years on Tatooine, just watching over this kid in the hope that something new will emerge, and it does. And <laughs> and that's the amazing thing. And so, yeah, I'm gonna keep these traditions alive in a way, but also to say, okay, I can't fully embrace them. I can't try and start a new council, a new order, because that's a different situation. We're a different world. It's, you know, any, you know, I wait, wield my lightsaber in public, I get executed by an inquisitor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's anyone who carries on, takes on the themes, I think of the last Jedi and of, of the sequel trilogy in the prequels and in, you know, into Kenobi, especially in, in his arc overall and, yeah, into the beginning of a new hope, it would be Obi Wan, I think. So yeah. there's there's the through line. There there's a connection, right? That's yeah, a good yeah. through line. Not going to lie. Um, I'll just let Omar respond to what I said, and then we'll wrap up uh, in terms of like you know the yeah, but nine movie saga. It's supposed to be one thing, and yet mm-hmm. each kind of trilogy is kind of really doing a kind of its own weird little thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, just real quick on on Matthew. You know, I I always found it really cool that um, it was Obi Wan. In, in Ray's force vision that would say these are yeah. your first steps and then later said these are your final steps. I just think that's really cool. I think there's something there uh, that can be analyzed and looked up um, uh, exactly. Prequelist <laughs> and sequelist unite. Um, like even if he's not in this narrative, he's still his presence can still be yeah. known in kind of the themes and also whatnot. So to it's answer important. your question, though, that's why everyone thought Ray was a Kenobi. That is that is very true. I remember a lot yeah. of theories about that. She embodies um, Mm-hmm. So, um, in regards to like you know people wanting it, wanting the sequel trilogy to have been something probably more akin to what was it, Legacy of the Force was that probably the or closest the itself? Or yeah, yeah, of course, the the prequels itself. itself. But I mean, uh, for like the Legends, series, yeah. yeah, for like yeah. Legacy Legends, probably two, Legacy probably like two, um, for it to have been something like that, or something again, like you said, the prequels that. The prequels, kind of how I see the Skywalker saga is like the center is, of course, uh, the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And what kind of branches out first is the prequel trilogy, which kind of is like the first branch of it. And it just kind of goes into the backstory that uh, mm-hmm. is to inform the original trilogy. Like the purpose of it is to inform it so that you can watch it and then later go back into the original trilogy and be like, ah, okay, I understand how these pieces fall together. Um the sequel trilogy does not act in that way. It, it It is not the same idea of taking like, okay, let's explain what happens before the original trilogy. And now let's, let's take what happens after, see the results of the original trilogy. 
it doesn't really care about the results of the original trilogy. It pretty much resets everything back to square one in the original mm -hmm. trilogy, if you think about it. Um, so like it's more it, it, it's more thinking about, as we have said numerous times in this uh, podcast so far, it's about talking about Star Wars and it's talking about the reaction, the very real world reaction mm -hmm. to it. And um, so to, for another one of my uh, famous metaphors here, I think of it as like three paintings. Only that third painting's not really a painting. It's an essay stapled to the wall. Uh, <laughs> it's a so like, like, it's oh, weird. Yeah, it's like, oh, a cool painting, cool painting. That's just that's just an essay stapled to a wall. What is that about? It's but art. You, it's art. But exactly. If you read the essay, though, you will find a really interesting freaking essay. So maybe there is something to it. And yeah. I'm that weirdo who likes reading the essay on stapled to the wall. You know, <laughs> I'm that weirdo. Uh, and, but I, I also, <laughs> yeah, I but too. I also completely understand, and this is actually kind of to wrap up the point, mm -hmm. I understand people wanting that third painting to have been on the wall. I understand to have like completed a set of like three paintings that all kind of flowed into each other in a certain specific way. I understand that mentality. And I've, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, you wanted that. I completely understand it. I, I think mm -hmm. there are people that think that. And they don't act in bad faith. There's a lot of like bad faith actors who dislike on the sequels. Um, but mm -hmm. I do think people that genuinely just wanted a continuation of the original trilogy, not to necessarily act in bad faith uh, in what they originally wanted. And I think that's fine. I think that's 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 completely understandable mm -hmm. that they have their gripes and uh, yeah. and what they wanted. I, I will say this: I, I'm happy. I, I love that they they dedicated three movies to this discussion uh idea this meta narrative yeah. um i don't think they should do it again i think nope. from now on hmm. everything should just be what it is and be a continuation um and that's 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 where i think almost everyone can agree with i love what we got i love it i'm always hmm. going to go back to these and the thoughts that i had uh, within those several years of theorizing and several years of analysis. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very satisfied in terms of meta, mm -hmm. like meta discussions here. Let's, let's definitely take the next step forward. And I think, again, it's a perfect place to do so with a Ray story going forward. Anything, mm -hmm. anything to push the timeline forward beyond episode nine, I'm, I'm very excited for. So yeah, don't, don't do a meta story. Although we did yeah. kind of almost say that maybe Filoni is going to do somewhat of a meta story with Mortis 2.0. but that's, all that's not to say yeah. there's not el meta elements in stories. I think that's, that's fine. Really like, good, I, yeah. I think meta elements are always welcome in stories. I just think to the degree of what the sequel trilogy was, yeah. like I think you, like I really do think you almost have to view it in terms of a meta narrative. Otherwise, you might be disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, no, I agree. I think yeah. you shouldn't do that again, or at least don't do it again until you got another... 50 60 yeah. years behind you it's way too hey, time yeah. yeah exactly give it give it yeah i mean like you said there will always be meta elements i mean ray the ray film will always be a reflection on what the jedi should be mm -hmm. and that is in its own way a reflection of what star wars should be what star wars is um yeah like joel you were just saying i think you know dom's dom has been saying this we are getting that reflection on what the actual story of uh, the the in universe reflection on uh, 
on the stories of, of the Skywalker saga, of, of the Lucas saga, I should say. I mean, Ahsoka really starts to do that, especially. Both, I mean, Ahsoka, but also the Siege of Mandalore arc, you know, starting to, to play what the prequels are. I do think all the Rebels characters in Ahsoka are going to reflect on what happens in the original trilogy. I mean, I think Hera, especially, who experienced it all so deeply. Um, I mean, maybe... You know, someone like Carson Teva. I mean, seeing, you know, what, uh, well, Carson Teva and Hera, I mean, I think both Hera's line about how, you know, to, to Ziono, like, you know, you, you, you sat on the sidelines, I was in it and I fought in it. And those are the implications of it. Um, yeah. if I go on the, on the, uh, on the Empire, of course, Ahsoka has already deeply, in a per- very personal way, reflect on the legacy of Anakin and Vader. Are we going to see something with Luke? Are we going to see something uh, with some other characters? You know, I mean, we already did see it with Luke in Return of the Jedi, but um, I think there's something interesting about, and I don't want, again, I'm I'm sorry, I'm pushing it too far. We'll wrap up, I promise. But I do think there is something interesting, and, you know, we can talk, and we can have a whole other episode about, like, should Luke, Han, and Leia come into the Mandovers in a big way? Should they not? We can talk about that, whatever, later. But there is something interesting right now Mm -hmm. about looking at, Luke Con- the the legacy of the original trilogy from an Indian perspective through other people yeah. through through Din through Manda through through Carson through the Rebels gang and not mm-hmm. necessarily like what I think people do want and whether or not we should have it we can debate how we get that I mean you know, maybe animated but you know whether or not not have like the Luke story the actual like here's Luke dealing with stuff it's like. No, we're viewing it through other people's eyes, which is, I mm-hmm. think, kind of interesting. It might be more accessible. I can yeah, see that. I would agree. Yeah, but um, anywho, we. I'll say one thing. I think we are going to get the Luke story eventually. Yeah, I I'll agree. be very it's curious to see how. I'm yeah. very yes, curious. That is the question. Yeah. Exactly. But we've been going for two mm-hmm. hours and seventeen minutes. It's almost eight o'clock where I am. I'm sure it's late for you guys too. Yeah. Um, seems like Matthew did not have his coffee. Well, uh, I had my coffee before. Don't worry. I okay. had half though. Okay, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm awake. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I see what you're doing, Skywalker Academy. Yes, and give it to me too. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, I mean, we're all getting old. We're all getting old. Speak for um, you. But yeah, <laughs> I yourself. think that should that should do it for our sequel trilogy talk. It's always fun talking the sequels. Omar, thanks for coming. You're kind of my sequel trilogy guy. Um, so thank you for being with us. Yes, yes, I'm uh, thank you so much for having me. I love again, I love talking to sequels, I love talking meta narratives. Uh, and this is just a perfect, perfect place, perfect place to uh, to just throw out all the stuff in my brain on yes. to you guys. And so, yeah, you guys can hear so, me ramble for how we roll, several how minutes, we roll you know? here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. so I guess Omar. You had a little something you wanted to plug at the end of the show. Yes. How about you do yeah, that now I'll, as we wrap up? Yeah, I'll just repeat again at the negotiator is all my socials. Uh at or sorry, at the negotiator ninety-five is all my socials. At, at the negotiator is on YouTube. And you're gonna want to keep an eye on my YouTube channel because I am currently making uh I'm currently working on a critical analysis of the Mandoverse, but with a specific lens of how everything connects to each other. And whether or not it has worked as an interconnected piece of media so far. So um, just, it, it, it's going to be 
in big part an analysis of yeah. the entire Mandoverse, uh, a critical mm -hmm. analysis. So I will, I am, I am a little critical on on everything there, but at the same time, I do talk about what I do love about each and every one. Um, but focusing again on how they connect to each other and whether or not it works <laughs> as this long-standing narrative that has been going on for four years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and that's what the video is going to be about. And it's looking to be a big one. It's almost 50 minutes long. Nice. Uh, or it, it is 50 minutes long. <laughs> God. I'll, yeah, I'll throw a, the negotiator documentary in the beginning to really get nice. people... Uh, but anyway, me Matthew yeah. cameo in it and just us arguing uh, about Mando season four. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, good. I'll, yes, I'll, good. I'll find somewhere to write that in. But yeah, yeah. you can clip that in. You can just do that. <laughs> um, exactly, exactly. Just what we got from this this argument here. I'll just throw uh, yeah. throw into there in the middle. Uh, but that's all I have to plug. Thank you so much for having me again on your on your podcast. Yes. We can't wait to watch it. I'm excited. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, They're definitely. Yeah. Fantastic conversation. Um, you know, I mean, if, if everything you've just spent the last two and a half hours talking about anything to go by, definitely looking forward to, to that conversation. Cause yeah, you definitely, uh, definitely been a, a pleasure to, to hear everything you have to say and very, really, really articulate, really well <laughs> put you. and very thank clear. You, and so, I mean, it's, it's good content. It's what we want. Um, yeah. you know, intelligent arguments. It's what we, we hope for. Here at the Iron Cannon Podcast. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in, sticking around, uh, Skywalker Academy, etc. Others who have been watching for eh, for good two hours, twenty minutes. We're, we're pushing the lengths here. The Iron <laughs> Cannon Podcast. It's okay. It's all good. I'm awake. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> there you go. If you uh, if you like this conversation, if you you hated this conversation, I don't know. Let us know. What you thought? Uh, Tell us why the sequels below. have no theme in their crud. If, if you if you still think that, if you're if you're like me and you think Mando season four needs to still be season four, that Joel needs to be a film. It's good to be a film. Uh, Omar, and you're somewhere in between. Uh, I'm more yeah. in between, honestly, than I think I gave myself. For I just enough, like at this point, I'm like season three. <laughs> season That's... three just disappointed so much. I'm like I don't care anymore. Just well, let us know what better. you think in the comments below on all these socials. Uh, yeah, give this video a like and a follow and a, this channel subscription. Uh, we also, of course, have super chats and YouTube memberships on the Underworld channel. Uh, also, of course, Underworld Facebook, Underworld Twitch, I am Canon Twitch, I am Canon Twitter, Knockout X, Underworld Twitter. Um, at ESWU at Iron Cannon Pod, I should put that up there. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, just give all these other all, all our socials alike, and and stay tuned. Some things are under development coming in the new year. We're still chatting away about some things, but uh, for now, I don't know, Joel, uh, where can they find? You? I'll I'll get your plugs in a minute, Omar. Joel, where can they find you? You can find me at GID twenty twenty one again. GID twenty twenty one on. Twitter and of course at the Iron Cannon Pod. I have recently done another fun little thread about why the First Order has a genealogical connection to the Old Republic. And of course, you That's can find up. me on the Star Wars Underworld Discord. Yes, yeah, so, uh, definitely check out the Discord as well. The link downstairs in the notes at Iron Cannon Pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Still calling it Twitter. I'm not going to call it X. It's a dumb name. Elon Musk can't win. Uh, <laughs> At NEUG45, Twitter, Instagram, and threads at MNEUG1138. And yeah, I'm in the Discord too. Give me a tag if you want. Uh, I'll, I'll see what you got to say. Uh, Omar, again, give you the plugs, the last word for you. Uh, any, anything else you want to plug? Any locations? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, just again, at the negotiator 95, pretty much everywhere, uh, including Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, on YouTube, at the negotiator, check it out there. So, yep, that's everything. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I'm definitely looking forward to that 50 minutes. I'm going to take my lunch break, grab some food, sit down sometime. Uh, last, last little bit here, Tractor Beam. Wednesday, this Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. No, other way around. <laughs> 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It is light here in, in, in the Eastern time zone. Uh, I guess it'll be 8 p.m. Central, uh, in case you're wondering. So, yeah, gra- grab your dinner, grab your comics, grab your grab your beverage, grab your comics. Uh, Chris and I are going to chat about, about what's coming down the pipe and what's already come out. Um, check that out. And then, yeah, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, same Spidey time, same Spidey channel. I guess I don't know. Next, possibly next week. Although we'll let you know, there might be some movement around around the next episode just to for people's schedules. We'll see. Uh, we're hopefully getting chat about Eye of Darkness. Uh, see if I can finish that and get get some people to to chat about it. And then uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll let you know also what we're what we're doing for uh, for the holiday break um, later on. We might talk about yeah either take a break or have some other things going on but you know uh we'll definitely be back wednesday night and uh monday night or sunday night we'll figure something out and also of course thursday night at nine the uh the flagship podcast star wars underworld thing that this whole thing is named after the flagship pod that's been going on for what 12 years or so um they're still going strong they're back as strong as ever after the strike so uh yeah keeping keeping it real keeping it real uh, again, uh, next next time, Eye of Darkness by George Mann. We'll give that a look. Until then, Joel and Omar, let's blow this thing and head home.